Do you want to get some silencio and then we'll start? Fine, I get it. Start singing all of a sudden. That's <laughs> quiet. I get it. Message received, Marconi. everyone, welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Edrick. I want to apologize, by the way. I'm Ian, by the way. Uh, but I also want to apologize, by the way. By the way. By the way. All right, sorry. Okay. By the way. Anyway, by the way. Uh, there's birds outside. And uh, if you understand what birds are uh, tweeting about, it means uh, they're uh, either they want to have sex mm. or they want to fight. Okay. So they're either uh, saying really mean things to try and challenge you to a fight. Sure. Or they're saying really uh, sexy things. Okay. And both don't feel appropriate. Mm. You know? So, uh, birds, yeah. foul-mouthed little tweeters. <laughs> One of my favorite ambient noises, birds chirping. Sure. Love it. It's pretty good. Also love the sound of kids playing. With birds? Not with birds. Leave the okay. birds alone, kids. Yeah. Hey, kids, leave those tweeters alone. Yeah. Um. Also, rain is nice. <laughs> no, I always love the sound of kids playing like at recess. Oh, okay. Because I lived not super close to a school, but when the wind wind was blowing in the right direction, I could hear the kids playing. I just love the sound of like it, all the excitement. Here's what it sounds like to me, because I live uh, about a block from a school. Mm-hmm. That's true, you do. Um, screaming. Yeah. Just raw, <laughs> yeah. raw screaming. That's like, what I love. The second they're out of the school. That's what I love about it. It's just, yeah. ah! like, it's just, Okay. <laughs> All right. Sure. They they had a lot of energy. In they got a lot of energy. They've been pent up and they're sure. going to blow it out yeah. uh, come come I, recess time, come lunch yeah. time. I also like the sound of a train. And like all those noises. The sound of a train as well? Yeah, I love that sound. Like at mm-hmm. nighttime, I lived up the hill from a train. I, I'm going to just say, sorry, I've got to just say my train thing quick, which is uh, that I swim uh, most days now and I swim next to train tracks. And so quite often the train will be going by mm-hmm. and it really does sound like jazz scat music when it's coming. <laughs> yeah. And then like, oh, and it really is like, is that scat music or yeah. is the train coming? Well, that's because I think that train is the Ellington Northern. There you are. Going by nice. Here. But... I think, so are you quite close to it? Like, they're really close? You're in the pool and the train goes by. Can you feel the vibrations in the pool? No, I can't feel the vibrations, but it's very close. Yeah, the oh. train tracks are, like, right next to the pool. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because where I park at work, we're pretty near train tracks, so there's, but there's, like, another building between us and the train tracks. But when the train's going by, I can feel the car moving. Oh, okay. Where I'm sitting, like... Maybe I can, but I'm in water, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if you, like, went to the edge and felt along the... I like, think if I stood in the train tracks, I'd feel it. I'd feel Ooh, like a train like, you definitely would feel hitting it. me. Yeah. You'd feel it very quickly and very briefly. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be for long. Yeah. And then all the coins in my pocket would go flat. And yeah. I'd go, hey! A lot of things neat. would go flat. Yeah. yeah. Been a long time since I put a coin on a track. And of course I was warned that would uh, derail a train. Yes, that's which really first... seems to be the train's problem. Like if it, if that's really the case, then there's there's deeper problems than me. How many thousand coins would you have to put on a track in order to derail a train? I wonder. I don't. Yeah, it's a good question. But it was fun. Yeah, you put some money on a track and uh, get a nice flat coin, and uh, then you couldn't spend it anymore. But it was still neat. Cut yourself with it. Put why it in your would pocket, why your... would someone tell you that? Whether this patently untrue? 
So it's obviously an adult. Tell you to knock it off. They're just trying to make you stop doing it. Yeah, don't lean in on train tracks, probably. But you're not leaning in. You're putting it down well before the train shows up. Yeah. They're just worried about kids playing around train tracks. So silly. It is. It's like my wife's aunt telling her that eating raw potatoes would give you worms. Oh. But it's not true. Like, where are the worms coming from? They're not in the potato necessarily what was the downside to uh eating the potato like I, why is what's the negative there that i think it's that to? sense of like i don't want you messing with dinner before it's on the table okay here's one uh i don't know if it's true or not mm-hmm. it's conceivably true conceivably true uh but uh, when i was a when i was a young man and uh, again we're on a uh, point uh, for a podcast <laughs> this is the kind of thing we do uh yeah. when there was a lightning storm in montreal where i lived yeah uh we'd have to turn off the tv mm-hmm. because yes uh, uh apparently at some point uh the antenna got hit by like someone's antenna yes. got hit by lightning Somewhere. yeah and the tv blew up i mean i guess it's possible but it doesn't seem yeah doesn't seem seems, likely seems dumb the other thing is don't answer the phone because yeah uh the uh telephone wires got hit with lightning when someone was on the phone and the phone blew up and the person was electrocuted well, that's a that's a gag in tintin is it yes there's okay. that i can't remember which book i'm gonna it's have to now. listen to that podcast then whatever one you're talking about <laughs> i can't remember which exactly which book it is in now but there's this there's a scene where where haddock is is uh Yelling at someone for calling because he's his uh, phone number and Mister Cuts the Butcher seemed to be right. He's getting this. That was a running gag. Yeah, and so he's getting a phone call from some lady, and then she's he's telling her, "Why are you calling? It's, it's an electrical storm. You shouldn't be calling on the phone." And next thing you know, he's uh, hanging from a hanging from the chandelier. Yeah, um, I mean, again, it sort of makes sense that like electricity would go down a wire, but uh, and the and 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 with an antenna that is the highest point on the house. So that is where lightning would strike. I guess, but I feel like all those things you're talking about are all grounded. They're all grounded so the electricity is running down into the ground. Yeah, you're right. So So we couldn't watch TV during a lightning storm. Second, the lightning storm turned up quick off. And there was enough lightning storms that that was annoying. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you do? Well, go outside and play with the... Play in the pool. Yeah, go play in the pool or just like grab some golf clubs and just have a sword (laughs) fight in the front yard. You know, whatever whatever you're doing, you know, cover yourself in aluminum foil, go go run around. All these safe things. Yeah, all those safe things that you would uh, normally do. Sure. I posted a... This thinking about this is sort of related, but I posted a picture. I was at the... Aldergrove Telephone Museum a little while ago. Yes, you were. And I took a couple pictures. Not there. the first time, not the last time. Not the certainly not the last time. Because now, wow, it's actually the uh, Aldergrove Telephone Museum and Community Museum. Oh, so it's both. It has so it has um, it has like old maps of Aldergrove. Oh, okay. And, uh, or of the Langley Township and stuff like that. And By fact, the way, they, here's how you know yeah. you're getting on is you see yourself in the old photos. Like when you got a photo on the wall at the museum, and yeah. you're like, hey, that's me. I'm like, mm, that's not a good sign. <laughs> it's surely not a good sign. Yeah. I didn't see any pictures of me, thank goodness. Nothing nothing aged me except for the phones that were on display. And I went, oh, I remember using a phone like that. Ugh, I'm old. Do you know what would be fun, actually? Sorry, and I want to get yeah, back to your story. We will. But again, we're on point by me interrupting you. We're not quite uh, flying the wall, but we're, <laughs> we're getting it. But like, so say you're a person who wants to start up a museum like that. Mm-hmm. This is fun. Like so a you, like a telephone museum? No, like a well, it could be or, or a community museum. Or a community, any kind of museum kind that's of museum. like about your area. Okay, so okay. not just like a button museum. No, you'd have to have a th- the theme would connect with your lo- locality. Okay. okay. So uh, so okay, so you do that, 
But then you get the photos made up as you as as you would. You, mm-hmm. you yeah, produce yeah. the photos. Slip yourself into the photos. Oh, like do the Photoshop. You're in the back. Yeah, you're in the background just a little bit, and then like so. At some sure. point, someone's gonna like mm-hmm. see that and just go like, "Is that is that the guy that like uh, was giving us the tour?" <laughs> It's like he's in the photo. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Well, it can't be him. It must be his relative. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, just as little hints that, you know, you're immortal. I think that would go against the spirit of his of a historian mm. who are about accuracy and reporting like as close as they can the actual facts of, of history. What if it And yes, there are biases, et cetera, but yeah, I don't yeah. think I think intentionally inserting yourself into pictures would What if by doing that you yeah. make the kids uh, and and uh, adults yeah. more interested in history because they want to do some research <laughs> and so they look up I, the original photo sure, and stuff sure. and they're trying to find uh, yeah find yeah. it i mean i guess you could argue that like we should teach kids history by making them watch indiana jones you know they can learn about india and the religions of india with temple of doom they can learn have about you, have you never seen young indiana jones because that's the whole point I've never seen For it. two seasons. I've never seen it. Two seasons long. That's exactly the point of Young Indiana Jones. What you just pitched yeah. to me sarcastically, <laughs> Steven Spielberg went, I've got a TV fo- show for you. And the network went, okay. Was that sarcastic when I pitched you? I think so, yeah. You went, oh, you might as well teach people history <laughs> by Indiana Jones. And it's a very popular show at the time. Yeah, let me look that up. I uh, I missed that. I never saw it. Yeah, because it's not interesting to me. Uh, okay, well, to me, you know what? You're not wrong, uh, but you're also not right. Uh, it was yeah, and technically it was called the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I see. That's probably why I didn't. Sean watch it. Uh, Patrick Flannery was uh, was one of the Indiana Jones. Okay, was another one that was like a younger kid. Sure. Uh, and and. Yeah. Uh, there was an episode mm-hmm. uh, with Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. I see. And uh, it showed how he learned to play uh, the trumpet. What what movie did he play the trumpet? No, he yeah. plays Indiana Jones. Yeah. Plays the trumpet. And you yeah, yeah, but which, in which movie does Indiana Jones play the trumpet? Oh, no, no. He just brings out the trumpet. Okay. And then you learn how he how he learned how to play it. I see. It's not... It's not great, <laughs> but but it's still a what's bit the of a, point of it though? But it's still a bit of a kick, and some like of the I epi- could see if you're like, where did he get his hat from? Which I I know we already know, right? But let's pretend that we didn't know that that they didn't do they didn't dump it all in our lap in one in one five right. minute scene. Um, oh, by the way, sorry, I have to yeah. interrupt and just say, sure, it was not created by uh, Steven Spielberg, created by George Lucas. I see, and uh, and based on characters created by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. Philip Kaufman had some. Did he? Was he a screen? Is he credited screenwriter for the first for Raiders of the Lost Ark? I didn't realize that. Uh, this is a very good question. Or did did he just work on the TV show? Maybe it is just for the uh, TV show because he was known for Invaders of the Bo- Invasion of the Body Snatchers, yeah. Wanderers, Right Stuff, Unbearable Lightness of Being, mm-hmm. and Quills. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, kind of a series of great movies. But what what happened to him? Mm. Well, uh, still alive. You can ask him. I should ask him. He is 85 years old. He's living in Chicago. He uh, said, movies suck. Did he say movies suck? Unbearable, unbearable Lightness of Being was a bit of a flopperoo okay. at the time. All right. Fair enough. And I guess Quills was also not a success. Okay. Most recent thing he worked on was Hemingway and uh, Gail Horn, uh, 2012. Hmm. Yeah. As a, as a writer. Yeah. His uh, son produced Henry and June. There. Which, which he directed, though. Oh, there you go. That's how you get the gig. <laughs> I suppose. Which was also not a success. But, I mean, you're going to do a movie about Anais Nin and Henry Miller and people like that. 
It's a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good movie. It's where I first saw Uma Thurman was in that movie. Oh, I like Uma Thurman. Uma. Uh, anyway, so we were at the telephone museum. Yes. And, it, you know, it has uh, two different kinds of telephone switchboards in it, by the way. Okay. What are the two types? One was an older one and one was a newer one. Okay. I guess as the town got... Technically not types, but okay. As yeah. the town got bigger, <laughs> yep. the... Uh, they needed more. They needed a bigger. Like oh, more, they need a more, bigger board. They needed yeah more holes to insert the little plugins into, and then they have also have um, a switch like an actual like mechanical switching station that you, that when you dial a phone it shows you how what, what what used to happen when the rotor was turned like when you use a rotary phone as the rotor turned it would cause this machinery to anyway I took I did took video of it maybe if I can I'll figure out a way to post it online. Imagine, by the way, just living in the past. I'm just going to say, and I will yes. honestly let you get back to your story. Uh-huh. Um, so you're a person. By who, the way, uh, we, did, we did live in the past. But more past. Okay. Um, yeah, we did all of our uh, previous episodes in the past mm-hmm. as well. That's right. So you're a person who, you know, you grow up with like, how do you talk to a person? You have to talk to the person. Maybe if they're far away, you yell. Yes. And then as you get older... Someone goes, there's a thing yeah. where you can talk to a person in your house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The person who's in your house. No, no, no. Who's in another house. Oh, next door. No, no, no. Like across the street? No, 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 no. Other side of the country. And they, they go, what? That's crazy. Pretty be pretty crazy. elaborate to do that at the time. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even know when that was possible to do that. Okay. Because it took a while for, for all that stuff to like... Okay, that first for board the infrastructure. you got in Aldergrove, that yeah. first board, how far could you, like, call on that board? I have no idea. I don't know, like, what the, like, but, uh, there would have been. How cha- how life-changing is that technology? Because I think, I think that the. Um, the doctor. I think in the United States, they didn't have, like, a, there was some sort of, like, rural electricity act that came about, I think, under, maybe under Teddy Roosevelt. I think sometime in, like, the turn of the 19th, like, turn of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. It's when they started putting like in wiring out into the rural areas, so people would have actual uh, would have the capability of being able to use telephones. And when and they turned on their electricity, had to yell uh, "bully." <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. And then, so yeah, because the and what was interesting to me was like I I um I post I posted a picture of a bunch of glass insulators, mm-hmm. and someone commented on it, and I wasn't sure. I thought I'm I don't want to say who commented on it, but I was like, are they joking? Because they didn't know what they are. I didn't know if they were like. They seriously didn't understand what they were. Because up until the six, 1960s, they used glass insulators. After that, they used porcelain ones. Mm-hmm. But you used to just find them laying on, on the road, like, because they would fall down off of the, off the telephone poles. Mm-hmm. Basically, they were just there to cover, like, a junction for the wiring. And as, as more and more, like, originally they were for telegraph, like, for telegraphs. And then as they started doing, like, electricity, running electricity and running telephone lines, they got bigger and bigger because they were having to cover up more and more of these... Uh, junctions so and basically by having them on the telephone poles it allowed the lines to run longer so you could have like longer stretches of, of electrical lines and stuff so yeah uh, i just was confused kind of i was just confused like because they anyway but they had like a nice display of them oh and, and someone didn't understand what they were i, I don't know i don't know if they're joking what or was they their, didn't... what was their you didn't say what their comment was what was oh let me just uh pull it up here please do was that me going yeah you it's you're about to read a sexy tweet <laughs> much like a bird you're mm-hmm. uh you're making a sexy sound uh someone said i don't know how to tell you this but those aren't telephones okay so. all right so i think they were joking yeah i, I sounds, can assume they're joking and they, they, they knew they were glass insulators and this were just just uh 
trying to you know what get my goat. I'll tell you every morning. Yeah, I uh, post a cartoon, mm-hmm. and I post a cartoon to gocomics.com. Yes, it's uh, Mannequin on the Moon. I do it with my wife Pia, and uh, so you do that every morning. Every morning. Well, t- t- technically, I'll tell you, I do it at like ten thirty at night. Oh, okay. But it's for the next day, I basically. See. Okay. So, so I post, I post that, and then I put it up on uh, you know Instagram as well, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the social medias and whatnot. Sure. So anyway, but on the Go Comics uh, site, yes. Uh, then people come on, yeah, and they do comments, sure. And sometimes you think they're jokes, mm. and sometimes. They just state what's there. And again, I've mentioned before, <laughs> there's one guy who is a bear. Yeah. And we'll just comment from the bear's point of view on yeah. there's not enough bears in this. That's I appreciate your use of salmon in this. That's kind of fun. You know, it's kind kind of fun is the right way to put it. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, I understand the might be a joke, might not be a joke, might mm. just be something people have to say. Yeah. They have to say words. Yeah. Like you put a picture of a dog up and go, eh, no cats in that picture <laughs> yeah it's true and it's, it's nice that people participate that still works with the algorithm uh but uh, it's uh, yeah it's interesting and of course they they try to uh and they sometimes succeed in writing a better joke i don't i don't really like uh, suggestions that i'm on the spectrum but maybe i'm on the the not sure it's a joke spectrum so okay people should put like smiley faces after comments like that i think mm-hmm. then i know oh you're joking or put lol yeah, but lol after then I, I get ah i like uh ron is it ron ron sexsmith who is the musician yes okay so him on twitter once uh, his family well known for building sex <laughs> okay yeah you gotta say lol at the end so oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> they didn't really yeah thanks just their names okay uh but uh i, I don't really follow his music uh, I, 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 yeah. I, I mentioned that once and it sure. made him sad. And I was like, oh, oh better listen to yeah. a song like this. Uh, but, he said, but, yeah, he said, I, I don't like the ice cream that truck sells. I don't understand. Follow his music. Like, I you mean it? <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, but on uh, Twitter, okay. he just tells dad jokes. Mm. Like the corniest, corniest, corniest dad jokes. Yeah. And occasionally you think of a, like an extra pun, pun to throw on. Okay. To it, and you do. Okay. And if you do, uh, he'll, he's got a little, uh, not a, an emoji. Yeah. It's like, you know how you used to have like the two dots and then a little uh, bracket and that would be a smile? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has one like that. It's like a little winking clown yeah. that he makes. Uh, the typewriter <laughs> font. He probably, he's he's probably little, learned to copy and paste it by this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has yeah. a little winking uh, sure. thing, and it's like, ah, oh, that's yeah. nice. You feel good. Yeah. And we all understand. I made a joke. You you don't say it's a good joke. No, no. You acknowledge though. Yeah. A joke was made. Yes. We 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 yeah, tip yeah. our hats to each other. Sure, sure. And keep walking down the street. Yes. You know, neither of us proud, but just <laughs> acknowledging that we did a thing. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. We made a sandwich. Is it a good sandwich? Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's a that's a problem when you become a dad is that you just feel neglected mm. the rest of your life, and so any reaction you get to what you say is great. And so if it's a groan, mm-hmm. that's as great as a laugh, maybe even better than a laugh. And to be fair, yeah. And by the way, to be fair is one of the most Canadian things in the world. And I'm being told this now. Is that right? To say that word? To say that phrase is? Yeah, it's a very Canadian phrase. It's like saying sorry or a or mm. other things. And I do say it a lot. Well, here's what I think, though, is because you spell it F-A-I-R-E. Yes. So it's, it's Quebecois. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Abso- absolutely. <laughs> what? Um, but, you know, you're going to reach a, t- a point um, where your t- children become uh, preteens, then teens. Mm-hmm. And during that time, everything you say is dumb. 
<laughs> like you less so than most dads, but no, no, I, I also, yeah, I, I left, I left some. There's like some sort of, I don't know what it is, some sort of gradient, some sort of scale, mm-hmm. and I yes, definitely went into the not cool side of things. And that's fine. Yeah, because they don't move out otherwise. <laughs> right, that's the point. Like there has to be a point where I don't your want children to have to like yeah, yeah. a switch goes in their head and they reject yeah. you. No, 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 you're right. I mean. You're just like overall right. Like that's right. just that's just and like, that includes the jokes, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So even if you were just like nailing it. Oh yeah. Like uh, you know, you talk to yeah. any famous comedian, sure, about their kids and go like, your kids like your jokes? No. And it's like, well, clearly, dad's a millionaire from these jokes. So yeah, the jokes yeah. are quality. Yeah, the kids are. This is on. This is on you. Yeah, the kids are laying on a couch watching TV on those based on those jokes. Yeah. Like you know, but those jokes Food in still their belly, suck. Yeah, those yeah. jokes yeah. made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, depending how wealthy, the, how well off the dad is, like how you know successful they are, they still don't appreciate them. No, they're no good. But that's fine. Okay, but that because you know what? Here's the ahead. thing, though that that Please. comedian dad mm-hmm. who's going going up on stage and killing with his like insightful comments and his in his right. little political satires and stuff like that, he's just giving like the worst dad jokes at home. Like he's not trying at all. Like he's just perfectly happy saying, you know, you know, it's intense. What dad? Circuses. Ugh. Get out of here. Yeah. You know, on stage, killing it. Just, you know, but they just, why? Why bother? All you want from your kids is a groan. Yeah, like you walk into your kid's room and it's a mess and you go, this place is a massacre. What are you, uh, Henry Kissinger? What? What are you? What are you? What are you? Uh Was this Cambodia? (laughs) And, you know, and and the kids are like, I don't know. And then you look it up together and they go, why are you joking about that? And it's that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, telephone museum. Yes. All right. So when you go to the tele, okay, did you go to the telephone museum because you knew there was new things there? Or- no, no. We just were driving by, and I said to Lisa, "Hey, do you want to go to the telephone museum?" And she said, "Of course." <laughs> okay. By the way, so your marriage probably- is going to last. Oh yeah, you're fine. You guys are fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're at the stage where There's that's no need- the case, then you're then you're then you're lock solid. Oh my gosh, everything's good. We've been on the same page with each other since we met. Okay. Of never- the same page of the phone book. Yes. <laughs> And so we read it together each <laughs> night. We'd look up uh, slightly dirty names when things were, you know, those right. times. Uh, okay. So uh, is there anything new at the Telephone Museum or are they pretty well, consistent? I mean, yes, there's more. There was more stuff there. Like they, have more, they have more like vintage phones for one thing. Mm-hmm. Like they have like the classic wall hanging phone with this thing you tur- the crank you turn mm-hmm. to get the electrical charge going and then you can speak into the... Mm-hmm. Mouthpiece and you hold the other part to your ear, but they also had like is that you merged? Yes, yeah, how's, that, every that, how's every little thing? Merged at the switchboard, listening into all the conversations. It's all party lines, by the way. But there's also like vintage phones, like old rotary phones. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like push, like uh, you know whatever they call whatever the phones where you push the button on the phone. I always called them push button phones until you said that. I guess push button phone. I don't know. That doesn't sound right though. Anyway, push button phones, but different kinds of, you know, like diff- they had like a hamburger phone and just things like that, okay. you know, kind of goofy, vintage, kind of, you know, Garfield one, just things like that. And, mm-hmm. and then they had like a little display of old cell phones as well, like through cell phones. That's through. what I was wondering if they, if mm-hmm. they had that. Yeah. And I was joking with Lisa. I was like, oh, we shouldn't have thrown away your Nokia phone. We could have brought this here because she had like a, a 90s Nokia brick that her dad got her because he was, you know, she used to drive around at night and stuff when she's doing her her writing lessons. She still does, but now she has a cell phone. In those days she got we got the cell phone, we're like, we're never using this. Garbage. Okay. Here are the uh nine uh nine old phones. Okay. The trimline telephone. 
that's kind of your flat phone that's like like this you know like almost yeah. like a brick yeah you open up that's a trim line it's okay trim. and it had the it has the rotary part in, in on the handset and, yeah in, on the handset and yeah. or it could also be like a, a digital that could that is a possibility okay princess telephone Okay, that You're was the very elaborate kind with the that with the with the kind of uh, bell end of the yes. of the handset, and it's set on that yeah. golden um, cradle, I guess. You when call you it. think old, t- when you think like phone, yeah. you're going to draw a phone. That's yeah. a Western Electric. That's a Western Electric. Oh, yeah. okay, the classic that's phone classic, style. I love yeah. that style of phone. Yeah, that's what you're going with there mm-hmm. for a Western Electric. Okay. Uh, and those just keep going. Those keep going. Then there's the desktop cradle telephone. That's got like, uh, you know, more of an up and uh, almost like a castle. And then you rest the phone on the castle. Oh, okay. That's a kind of an old style. It kind of goes down. It almost looks like a Hershey's Kiss, the bottom, the mm-hmm. bottom mm-hmm. bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then you got your, uh, the phone you're, kind of phone you're talking about, rotary dial candlestick. A candlestick phone, phone yes. Okay. Candlestick yeah. phone. And those, uh, and then there's the, uh, the Bell telephone, which is, of course, what Alexander Graham Bell said, uh, Watson, come here. Yes. I need you. Don't tell my wife about this. <laughs> and the wife was on the other phone going, yeah. what? It's and part, he said, how line. did you get? There's one phone. How did you? Yeah. And and she went, you got a lot of splaining to do. Yes, right. She had to in with Watson. Mm-hmm. Let's not say how. Yeah. And so they, they had that stuff. But also had, I was going to say, they had uh, old. So in, um, this is pre-war. Pre-World Which War II. Pre-World okay. War Two. They made a map. They made a map of Aldergrove. Okay. And they and they gave all the streets numbers. And then they discovered that they had the system they used to, they did them on the 10s rather than on the 8s. And so they were out with Abbotsford and they were out with Surrey. Oh. And so they had to redo it all. Ooh. And the company that had, the feed company that had sponsored this map said, we're not paying for another map. Oh. But it was interesting to look at because for one thing, it would have been correct now because it was in 10s. So it would have been perfect for... Met, the metric system right because now the system doesn't work as well like it's based in miles that's what the eights are and so like if you drive from 216th to 224th let's say that is a mile okay but now that we are in metric it's kind of meaningless what that you know so you couldn't before you could say i may, i'm gonna make that you know i'm gonna drive that mile in a minute or whatever but now you can't say that well you can, i mean you can but it's anyway by the so, way it's kind of um, interesting uh Good reviews for the telephone music. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of uh, four out of fives. Nice, nice. I mean, it's just it's a, in an old, it's in an old house that then became a, 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 a owned by like um, a real estate company. They worked out of there when they were okay populating. They say it's not good for a bus full of tourists. No, it's very small. Yeah, you wouldn't want to bring in a bus full of tourists. No, but they do say an hour uh, here or longer would be acceptable. That's nice to know. I feel like too long a time. I think we were there for about a half an hour. I mean, it depends, depends what you want to do. I and then they, re- then they recommend going up for lunch at the Brick Alley Bistro. Okay, that's fine. That's All pretty right. good. All right. Pretty good. I prefer the restaurant that was there a long time ago. but Well, you can't go. But I can't go now. You can't go back in time. Unless go, hmm? the museum yes. opens the restaurant yeah. as yeah. a museum piece. Yes. And then you go like, hey, guess what oh, we perfect. got? We got museum. Oh, by the way museums yeah. smarten the hell up and do that <laughs> right like if you went to the vancouver museum yeah and part of the vancouver museum was uh we have the aristocrat here i was gonna say that yeah there's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and you have like like uh, two booths set up sure. and it's just like yeah you can have some takeaway or whatever yeah and that it's like old restaurants that were in vancouver that are gone sure. that people miss and it's like yeah that's what we're gonna put them in the museum because they're museum you got to get the Salisbury steak if you're going to the aristocrat okay 
That's what it was known for. There was a. That's there, why it's out of business. I want to say that there was a butter chicken that had nothing to do with butter chicken. Oh wow! As in, like, not yeah, yeah. the Indian butter chicken, no. but just like buttered chicken. Mm. Yeah, like cooked in a lot of butter. Oh yeah, people. Yeah, people really like this. Yeah, the, the telephone museum. Yeah, the telephone museum. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a cute little place. Yeah, uh, uh, Mr. Eric explained history. It was very kind and had lots of uh, knowledge about the uh, about telecommunications. Mm. So good for uh, uh, Mr. Oh, it's good for couples. Nice. Yeah, Lisa and I were making out in a telephone booth. As you should. Yeah. Then you come out as Superman. <laughs> Baby, you make me Superman. <laughs> uh, my friend's dad used to have his linesman tools there, but I, someone else's linesman's tools were there, so I don't know what happened to my friend's father's stuff. Uh, two two things. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to the Superman thing in a second. Okay. Uh, but let's just get to the Superman thing first, and then we'll do this. Okay. Uh, Superman, yeah. changing in a telephone booth. Kate. When the hell did he do that? Why? I mean, it's a thing, right? Like, you think, yes. like, it's a thing that everyone knows, oh, Superman. Yes. The guy changes his telephone booth. Sure. When? Mm. Like, when? George yeah. Reeves, Superman? Didn't. Would change in a storeroom and jump out the window. Okay. That was his deal. Yeah. Uh, did the radio one do it? Possibly, but Kirk Allen, uh, you know, who was like in the serials, he wouldn't. He'd go behind a bush and then come out as Superman. <laughs> I go, b- I go behind a bush as well. Yeah, there you go. And then he'd just jump up in the sky. Uh, yeah. And like in the comics, mm. I can't ever remember Superman getting into a telephone. No, he just booth. does, he just gets, he does like a human cyclone and suddenly he's Superman. Yeah. Uh, even like in the old cartoons. Like the Fleischer cartoons, yeah. he's in, he, again, a storeroom usually. Yeah. And like, this looks like a job for Superman. And like, it, <laughs> like, oh, his testicles dropped. Uh, that's interesting. I guess like he wears them high when he's Clark. Yeah. Uh, and then, then you go out flying. But yeah, Where's when, trust? when was this uh, thing that everyone clearly knows about mm. of him changing in a telephone booth? When yeah. did this occur? Yeah. Because it's so much so that when uh, Christopher Reeve is uh, in uh, the, doing the Superman movie, he looks and sees that it's one of those half booths. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, I can't oh, change in there. Hilarious. And we all know this is where I change, right, folks? Because yeah. we know that, right? And it makes a big difference because you don't want to have this half, this glass booth with only half You're of You're going to see my balls dropping when I'm, uh, <laughs> when I'm changing the floor. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But it's kind of ridiculous because it's a glass booth anyway. Like, who cares if it's half a glass booth or a complete, completely glass booth? I think the situation used to be... Mm. That they would have a little, uh, like a little blind you could pull down for privacy. Okay. So it would make sense that you yes. could do that. Not privacy. 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 Because uh, it's, diff- it's old timey. It's old timey, yeah. I understand. The one place I remember yes. seeing Superman change yeah. wasn't Superman. It was like uh, Bugs Bunny as like Super Rabbit or something. Like he, Whenever they were doing like an old uh, Warner Brothers cartoon, yeah, yeah. parodying it. Yeah. Yes. But when the hell is he? Changing the soup in a. Anyone out there know when did he do that? Was it the radio? Because that's the only yeah, thing I, I never, can think of. I haven't heard the radio serial, but I don't remember. Uh, but it's so in people's consciousness. Yeah. But I can't. I don't remember it ever being in a comic, except for like maybe in the seventies where they'd have it on the cover. But again, there as kind of a riff on that we all know he does. This yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let, let us know if. Hmm. Uh, if you're a comic fan. And when uh, he's changing in the telephone booth, if you look slightly to the left, there's the guy who has no money wearing a barrel. <laughs> and you know what's awful about that? Yeah. There's a fat cat, just a couple of feet over. <laughs> and it's like, the cat has too much money. Yeah. And the cat, what's he going to spend his money on? Fish? Yeah. Like, he's just like loaded. <laughs> loaded. And it's like, oh, quite frankly, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't like that at all. All right. 
Okay, so um, I will try and check out what that is. I was just going to say, like, uh, you're talking about the lineman. Uh, Wichita lineman, what year did it come out? The song Wichita lineman? Yeah. Glenn oh, Campbell. Wichita I'm going to say 69? Very close, 68. Very good. <sighs> Fuck! Just kidding, I'm not that mad about no, it. That's okay. <laughs> How high would you think he, it reached on the, uh, the, the, the U.S. pop chart? Oh, number one. Number three. What? What goes ahead of it? Other songs? Oh, okay. Yeah. You're not looking at that. You're just looking at a. I'm just looking at uh, it. I'm talking about it yeah. specifically. Uh, but it was uh, it was in the top uh, 100. Well, you know why I didn't. Weeks. You know why I didn't get to number one because it wasn't finished. Okay. It wasn't finished. All right. He never finished the song. All right. Fair enough. So why didn't he finish? The- I don't know. He just kind of got partway through his writing the lyrics and he was kind of like, I just can't figure out what to do next. And so. the Wichita lineman, blah 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 blah. Yeah, pretty much. Hmm, I need you more than something, yeah. and uh, something more than another thing. <laughs> and when you think the third, no, no, he wrote that part of the song, but he just he just kind of got to a point and he just kind of went, eh, I'm done. Okay, that's good enough. Was that his biggest hit? Jimmy Webb? No, uh, Glenn Campbell. Oh, oh Glenn uh, Campbell. No, oh, I would Glenn say Glenn Campbell didn't write out oh, Jimmy Webb. Didn't. Yeah, Jimmy Webb wrote, wrote it. Um, but he, Jim, or Glenn Campbell, com- covered a few of his songs. By the time I get to Phoenix and Galveston. And the moon is a harsh mistress later on. Okay, but did he write anything about uh, cakes being left in the rain? Jimmy Webb did, yes. Yeah, all right, very good. <laughs> but for I think he wrote that song for the association, but they were kind of like, mm, no thanks, Jimmy. No thanks. And so he went to Richard Harris? Yeah. What an odd choice. I guess, but you think, the thing is, is like, when you aren't in a position yet where you can make it do the song yourself, you want to be in a situation where you can control the outcome. Like, if you give it to the association, yeah. you are giving it to them, and they're going to take it away, and they're going to get an arranger to arrange it, and they're going to do all the stuff to it. They might take it. it up, up, and away. That's oh, Fifth Dimension, but yeah. That's true. Yeah, but that is a song you wrote. I know. All right, very good. Wrote a lot of songs for the Fifth I'm doing, Dimension. I'm doing, I'm doing references to the things <laughs> you're talking about. Apparently, he left that on a music stand in the studio. Okay. So they would see it, and then want to record it, because he was just uh, working as a janitor at that time. In a in a studio, I don't know if that's true or not. It could be uh, could be made up. But anywho, well, mm-hmm. let me ask you this question. Okay, MacArthur Park. Yes, was a number Mac one. MacArthur What's that? Park. MacArthur Park. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Was a number one hit song. Yes, uh, but it was a number one hit song in 1978. Oh, for Donna Summer. There you go. There's quite a few versions of it, but uh, yeah, that's a good version. So how? Okay, so how does this work? So you're a songwriter. Yeah. And you got a song. Yeah. And then you go like, you know who uh, I'm going to get to sing this? Oh, like someone who's in a band? No, Richard Harris. Richard Harris, who is hot off of being in the mu- musical Camelot. Yes. Right. And who had some pull. And so I guess Richard Harris can, or I'm sure it's Jimmy Webb who can, who basically he was hiring Richard Harris to front his band, mm-hmm. Jimmy, Webb's, Jimmy Webb's project. And they did a whole album together. They actually did two albums together. Mm. Uh, Tramp. A okay. champ, Tramp Shining, I think it's called, and then The Backyard Went On Forever or some kind of name like that. Okay. MacArthur Park is from, apparently, A Tramp Shining. Yeah, yeah. The other one doesn't really have any songs that are that, that great on it. Because that's a great song. Mm-hmm. Actually, I prefer my edit. I take out the slow part. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did with my mini disc player when I, was, when I was younger. I took out the, like, not when I was a kid, but, you know, when I was, like, in my wow, okay. late 20s or whatever, I... Just excise that part because I wanted to put it onto a uh, mixtape, but I didn't want that part of the song. Kind of slow and a bit of a slog. And apparently, mm-hmm. um, that was a true story, the MacArthur Park. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think 
I think he drew a lot from uh, real life. Yeah, he said it was during like a breakup that he had, and he was in the park, and there was a man playing checkers by the trees. A cake was left out in the rain. All the things in the song are <laughs> things that actually were there that day. I think it's a great song. Mm-hmm. It's at its very best as performed on SCTV by Richard Harris, mm-hmm. i.e., Dave Thomas as yes, yes. That's a great, great version. You can't not think of that. No, it's so, it's so great. It's so fun. Yeah, I also yeah. do like the um, the Jurassic Park version by Weird Al Yankovic, where he tells like mm. Jurassic Park as you know. I like the psychedelic scene where the guy gets eaten by the dinosaur. Then it has the the crazy musical part is him spinning <laughs> around in the digestive system. It's sort of psychedelic scene. It is very hard for me to think of Jurassic Park without thinking of that song. It's done in claymation, so people just so people know. Yes, it's very good. Um, and uh, technically, I, I think technically it's also a very good song. Technically, though, when I go like, oh boy, how the hell did you write that? Yeah. Uh, the one, um, the American Pie parody, you know, oh, of, he did uh, Phantom the... Menace. Yeah. And he just like did the entire plot. And mm. it was like, damn it. <laughs> that is quite the achievement. That is quite, quite the achievement. Um, but I went, I saw uh, Camelot live. Okay. And yeah, I couldn't help but think of that SCTV sketch. I was just like, oh, it'd be so good if you could. Someone threw a brick. Yeah, just like, oh, just <laughs> like, it's like just for, uh, yeah. It was like, oh, that'd be so good. I threw a brick. God damn. Dave Thomas, eh? Mm-hmm. God damn Dave Thomas. Yeah. Underrated. I mean, I mean, to be fair, and I'm going to, again, be Canadian by saying to be fair, mm-hmm. there was a time in Canada where he was the biggest thing that there was. Oh, for sure. Him and Rick Moranis were Bob the and biggest yeah. thing they were, in existence. Yeah, we were in grade nine. I was in grade nine. You're in grade yeah. eight. And they were just like, they ruled the airwaves mm-hmm. for that time. They were so big, they could perform with Rush. That's how big they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seemed huge. Humongous. They had parades. <laughs> there was a TV Guide article that uh, broke up SCTV because of them. Oh, really? Yeah. That's it, what broke it up, really? Was the jealousy well, of Well, one of the things was there was... Uh, a, a special feature about them mm. in a in a feature on SCTV. Okay, and they called it uh, SCTV's best joke, and mm. it was about them. I wouldn't say that, but okay. And the other, yeah, they're wrong. Uh, and uh, yeah, the other performers really took mm. umbrage. Umbrage, yes. yes, yes, with that. Yeah, I don't blame them. They it, they felt that it uh, invaded their privacy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they're they're wrong. Obviously, they're obviously wrong. Do you remember this? This is my SCTV question. I want to ask you right now. Lovely. So you remember when SCTV was on CBC on Thursday nights? Mm-hmm. I think around ten. I don't know that it was on Thursday, 10, but ten thirty or so. Let's go with that. Okay. Do you remember one time where it wasn't SCTV, but a uh, like CBC? No, it was a a dubbed version of like an old um, like Western like serial Western serial like a colored one like a color Western serial with. Um, and they just added new voices to it. Oh. And I don't even know if it was SCTV who did this or it was just some other thing. And they just kind of threw it into the middle of, of the SCTV se- season. Mm. But there was one night where it wasn't SCTV, but this weird and was, so it was thing dub- that I'd never seen before. But it was dub- quite funny. A dub over. Yeah. Okay. Was, um, what, did it seem new as in it was made now? Yeah, yeah. It seemed like, like current to that time. Okay. But I don't know what it was or who it was or anything like I've, because I mean that was a time when you just didn't know and there's no way you could know like you couldn't unless you phoned up the, the TV station yeah, yeah, and said yeah, 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 yeah. what the heck was that why wasn't SCTV on last night why what was going on instead yeah that is interesting and it was like an old Western. it was like a Cisco kid or something like that okay I think it was the Cisco kid that they did that they did a, like a a, a, a dub redub version of it okay interesting and quite funny all right. 
Like I know, uh, yeah. Uh, the, what I thought you were going with was, you know, because they did that Western serial parody in SCTV in the in the later years with mm. Happy Marsden. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and Martin Short during the, the the HBO one or whatever. Yeah, HBO, yeah. but Supermax, Supermax. Right, I, and the other thing I thought you were going to say was the time that like CBC took over SCTV, which is probably my favorite uh, episode. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, that's a very good. Them one. running over uh, whatever what is it the muskrat or what is it? They run over some animal in the road while where they're shooting a hinterlands who's who. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the guy and Eugene Levy starts doing a chant, and everyone's just looking at him like, "What? Why?" Just moving on, <laughs> moving on. And uh, Canadian facts. Oh God, it was so good. God damn it, the house boomed the mouse out. God damn it, it was good. What? Where? Where is SCTV now? Where is it? Why is it? Where's it? Where's it? Where's it showing? Nowhere. Why isn't? Yeah, why isn't it streaming anywhere? Why isn't it streaming? Why isn't it showing? Where? What? What's the what now? What's going on? I mean, they came out on DVDs. I'll mm-hmm. give you that. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah. Why is it on CBC Gem? Where is it? Is yeah. It, you know, all I can think is possibly music rights because that's I guess, usually the. Stinkeroo. I guess they cleared them. They finally cleared them for the DVD release, but they weren't able to clear them for streaming. I guess I don't know. Yeah, and there's a lot of that, there's like in the, in the later ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, flippity flam. <laughs> Right, such a such an influence on everyone uh, of that time, comedy wise. You you can watch a supercut of Days of Our Days. What's it called? Days of Our this the soap opera one that was on the NBC right. ones. These are the Days of the Week or something like that. Days of the Week. That days was it. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a supercut of that where you can watch each episode one after another, which is kind of oh. fun. Instead of having to wait a week and it being like embedded in the show, you can just kind of watch all mm. of them at one time. I mean, I, th- I would say, like, if you were a true nerd, you should watch an episode a day, soap opera style, mm. you know, until they uh, until they all burn burn through. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of fun to watch them all. Because they do connect together It's nice well. to know my music turns on groovy girls like you. <laughs> God damn, so good. Everything. There's so many, so many, so many good things. Yeah, my friend Mark Meir got to uh, spend a day uh, doing stuff with uh, Joe Flaherty as uh, Count Floyd. Okay. On uh, one of his TV shows. And I was like, oh. That's just so neat. There's so many great pictures of like Count Floyd just in the back of a bus looking depressed while other things are going on. <laughs> Joe Flaherty is amazing. All those people are are amazing. Very you talented. Know? Yeah, and they've they've all gone they've all gone on to do like amazing things afterwards too. They have, but I mean that's their calling card as far as I'm concerned. Like I know they're in you know Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara have done lots of interesting. You know, a mighty wind. And, yeah, they just, and, and they just won things. all the Emmys in the world like, yeah, last doing year. Yeah, Creek. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that show is their. That's their and now you thing. know Martin Short is like in like the number one streaming show right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's doing still the, can't beat can't beat his. Uh, you can't fight the past. You can't. You can't. You can't run up against the past. That's true. <laughs> you can't. But I mean, he just can't be that. Like his. Um, uh, was it the uh, Diary of an Idiot's Marriage or whatever, where he's like Jerry Lewis? Yeah. Doing an Ingmar Bergman film? Yeah. It's <laughs> great. Yeah. Like, there's so much stuff on SCTV that you just go, who approved this? <laughs> and it's like, is the answer no one? I think that's Because that's what I think the answer is. Yeah. There's that one that one with uh, Count Floyd doing the, um, like, Midnight Movie, and it's an Ingmar Bergman, like, parody of, like, Hour of the Wolf or whatever, or Persona, where the, the faces merge and the two women yes. merge into one and everything. <laughs> and then you go back to him. You know, he's trying to like, you know, ooh, kids, isn't that scary? <laughs> Modern alienation. Or... Oh, that's so good. Yeah, something I really liked about Count Floyd's character, which is a weird side thing, was he was also the news announcer, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the news guy. Yeah. 
So he was the straight man on the news. Yeah. But then it was like uh, Floyd Robertson, who was like a parody of Lloyd Robertson, the yes. Canadian yeah. uh, news guy. These are the things we know as Canadians. <laughs> We'll tell you where every Mike Myers bit comes from if you want. Um, but yeah, and and I like that like he had a problem with booze. Yeah. So he went to dry out for a while. And that was like this backstory. There's a time where he's just drying out. Yeah. But he's yeah. also Count Floyd. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like It's uh, like, oh, they needed someone from the station to do this yeah. thankless task. So he he got it lucky him. And yeah, when you say straight man, in a way they're I mean, I guess he's the straight man to Earl Camembert, Eugene Levy's character, the newscaster. But he's the reactor. Like what? But but so is Eugene Levy's character though, because Camembert is reacting to to what what uh, Floyd Robertson's doing as well. You know, there's that great one where <laughs> where Floyd Robertson's getting all like the great news. He's doing yes. all these big important things and stuff like that, and then all Earl's getting are these local, you know, <laughs> a cat stuck in a tree. Well, you know, so it's, and he's just getting more and more upset that you know when you know, and that's so he's reacting to that. Yeah, it's so all that's setting be some great up for a slow burn. Yeah, yeah, on, the, on, on his part, which is great. Uh, yeah, and also I'm trying to think. Like uh, Count Floyd was also in uh, the totally mental misadventures of Ed Grimley, I believe, the Saturday morning TV show. Okay, and he was the live action uh, host that would like oh, I see the cartoon. I see. Yeah, it was like this. It was a similar situation to uh, Christopher Lloyd was in the Back to the Future animated series, but mm-hmm. like at the very end, he'd be there and he'd somehow I think he'd like throw to Bill Nye. Yeah, and then Bill Nye would show you some science, and so it's okay because we're educational. The funny thing about Count Floyd to me is that it was it's like a parody of a character that didn't exist for my generation, which was the the horror host, like the the. The local TV station horror host, or well, Elvira, movie Elvira host. was was still doing her thing, but I never saw that. You didn't see her, but it wasn't that wasn't your generation. It yeah. was just that you were not getting those channels. But I think Elvira was was a different thing than like a local, a regional okay. horror like host. You know, it was like some person right. who either and there was still Sven Gulli, uh there, and there was Elvira, but yeah, yeah it wasn't specifically like but, just a local Canadian, yeah, Melonville's. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, or even in the states, there's some guy you know in in Podunk, Ohio, who you know got the job to. We would have host the. We would have occasionally that for Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, not Saturday morning cartoons, but for cartoon shows, they'd be like uh, Hannigan would be like a local Canadian. I think he was like uh, from Alberta. Yeah, we had uh, that. Yeah, and it was like mm-hmm. he's a leprechaun, and he's gonna. But that's a very similar situation mm-hmm. to Count Floyd. Yeah, yeah, that, but. Yes, yeah, so, somewhat similar, but different. Different enough that you could do if you do Mrs. Um, what was her name? The the Andrew Martin character where she's like the, ch- uh, the children. Mrs. Falbo's tiny town. Mrs. Falbo's tiny. So that that is your local TV, like local romper room or whatever kind of show. Yeah. The horror one is is a little different, and we, yeah, I just I missed I missed out on that. I don't know if I missed out on it, but it just didn't exist when I was. Um, I remember when when I was doing the Halloween. One of the, I, we did a Halloween episode for for um, listening party, and one thing that I f- was very interesting was there was a lot of music that were like one off songs sung by local um, horror hosts in you know small towns or whatever, mm-hmm. but they were popular enough that it seemed like a good idea to put put them put them fronting some rockin' band while they sing a song about local ghouls or whatever, and that seemed to be like a thing. You know, and it doesn't really exist anymore. One thing, region regionality is gone. Like we don't yeah. have regions anymore. Yeah. It's all one big giant soup that we live in. So we don't have like a regional. You know, there's I guess there's still local TV news, but that's probably that's the last 
sort of individuality of any kind of city now. There's no individuality to like our television. We don't have a local news magazine show. Yeah. We don't have a local cartoon show. We don't have a local kids show. Yeah. That's all just gone away. So We used to have a show here called The Vancouver Show, which we'd occasionally get bumped and then uh, <laughs> not right. be on. Probably, we got bumped by the Thompson Twins. We got bumped by Katie Lang. You know what? It's probably for the best. Probably. Probably for the best. Oh, I, I remember our act. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Very much for the best. <laughs> they remember it too. That's why we got bumped. And um, yeah, like all... You know, that's all kind of gone away, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. Depends how you view it. Maybe you don't like regional things. You want you want it to be international. The um, So uh, Earl Canbear yeah. was a... Sorry, I, I, I put a thing in my mouth. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> okay. uh, very unprofessional. Um, Extremely documented. There was a New York uh, anchor called uh, Irv Weinstein. Okay. Who uh, he based the character on. Okay, I see. Irv Weinstein's uh, weather man yeah. was tom joles and tom joles doubled as uh, an astronaut children's uh, show host called commander tom okay and so that's what that was based on okay was because you know uh tom joles and Eric weinstein were partners i see and yeah so okay yeah that's okay. a little inside baseball on sure that. sure i guess i guess it's one of those stations that was came up into canada for whatever reason and who was count floyd's occasional partner it involves a word that you can't really say much anymore, which which really is setting you up to say a bunch of words you can't say anymore. <laughs> I, I, I realize that now. Yeah. So I'll just say what it is. Yeah. It was uh, the Pittsburgh Midget. Oh, I don't remember played that. by uh, Paul Flaherty, his brother. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I do not remember that. Yeah. Huh. That's uh, beyond me. Yeah, that's all, that's all right. Yeah, so Count Floyd also was in the uh, 1999 uh, CBC television film Must Be Santa. Um, he also taught uh, fire safety in a series of shorts. Uh, in 1990, he made a videotape called Making Really Funny Videos at Home. Okay. Uh, he was the pitchman for Canada's Wonderland when it launched the Bat Roller Coaster in 1987. I see. Uh, and, uh, and, oh, this is okay. This is a good little trivia one. Okay. I like this. Uh, uh, he appeared in the Halloween episode... Of what dramedy uh, TV show? Yeah, uh, you know, in in his costume, but he wasn't Count Floyd, but he was looking exactly like Count Floyd. Okay, what show was that? Would you say it was uh, a dra- It was a very well regarded but not successful dramedy series. A Canadian one? Nope. Oh, American. Okay, not successful though. Not not very successful, but very well regarded. Okay. Yeah. Mm. 30-something? I have no idea. Freaks and Geeks. Oh, Freaks and Geeks. Oh, well, that makes sense. What am I thinking? Yeah. What a ding-dong I am. Yeah, he dressed up as a as a vampire. He basically dressed up exactly like Count Floyd. Yeah, yeah. In the episode, yeah. Huh. Neat. Yeah, I'm sure, well, I'm sure there's a lot of fans of Count Floyd working on Freaks and Geeks. And he also, uh, when SCTV uh, aired on Cinemax, he did uh, little shorts for them as well as okay. Count Floyd and as Guy Cowboyer. Uh, well... Let's, we'll, we'll get off the SCTV thing because we've talked about it quite a bit. But uh, I just want to, before we pass pass on from this subject, I just want to say I, I'm really hoping that that Martin Scorsese documentary is coming together. Yeah, gosh. Because I would love to see that. Get, it, get on with it. Get on with it, indeed. You've had your time. You've had your fun with What's-Your-Face, Fran Lebowitz. Yeah. You laughed at her jokes. Maybe too much. I hear that he's uh, just binge-watching all the Marvel uh, movies now. And he's like, wants to see them all. And it's like, Look! I know you love them quietly to yourself, <laughs> but like, look yeah. at him. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. 
No, maybe not. I don't think so. I had a, speaking of movies, I had a kind of a movie week this past little while. Okay. I've watched a lot of movies. I like, would like to hear about the movies that you have watched, but I want to make very clear. Yes. I have no interest in seeing Thor tonight. <laughs> okay, we won't go see Thor tonight. Okay, because I'm worried. Yeah. That Ian Boothby will be the uh, Ian Boothby will probably be in the film. In fact, I've heard that he is like third billing after. I'm really hoping he got snapped out of existence in uh, whatever the blip and uh, and didn't come back. Didn't come back. (laughs) He the he blocked. Or he just came back like over a volcano or something. Okay, so how it worked? How did they come back? Did they show them coming back, or did they just Mm -hmm. did people like disappear? Were they sitting down? You saw them. You saw them disappear. Yeah, no, I know, but did they like? How do they reappear? Do they like? Did just... you see uh, Spider-Man? Um, uh, home, I guess it was Homecoming. Yep. Yeah. No, so no, Far From Home. Far, far from. Yeah, that's right. Far From Home. Yeah, yeah they show they show it in there. There's a a band. Uh, the uh, the band uh, comes comes back, but in the middle of you know the gym, you know uh, they show them uh, de blipping. Oh, I don't remember that. Uh, okay. Did you see Wandavision? I did. Okay. Well, someone comes back in Wandavision. Okay. I don't remember that now. Yeah, it's uh, Monica. They should have made it more clear. Um, Bellucci? It was pretty clear. Okay. Yeah, she she comes back and then the, the hospital's all in a panic because people are coming back. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. Oh, do you remember that now? Yep. Sorry. Okay. Yes, that's right. And she's very confused. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't she be? Mm-hmm. She blipped. <laughs> You're not uh, ready to blip. You're never ready to blip. So uh, anyway, uh, you saw movies without blips. I saw what, a lot of movies without what blips. What did you see? Well... You know what? I've been tubing it. Okay. Because tubing is kind of fun. Like what I do is I go to the leaving soon section mm-hmm. and then I just look through there. And if anything is interesting to me, then I'll watch it because it's leaving soon. Right. So I better watch it before it's gone because it could go to Amazon and then I, have to, I would have to watch it without ads. <laughs> what would I do? And oh, then it doesn't. When feel would like, I look at my phone? Well, then it doesn't feel like an old timey movie that you were watching when you were a kid. Yeah, exactly. I need to watch Planet of the Apes with yeah. as many ads yeah. as possible. Many ads for Thermocell, a mosquito, yeah. a mosquito deterrent. I need possible. to. Wa- I need to see an ad for Master Charge. Master Charge is that yeah. on there? Well, I'm trying to think what ads. Oh, would be Master there. Charge. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. And Charge X. Charge X. Yeah. Is, is it interesting how they got rid of those names because they're 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 ripe with a sense of like debt. Because <laughs> you're charging these things? No, no. Visa. Pass. A, a pass. Pathway. Yeah. Pathway to happiness. And this is a MasterCard. MasterCard. You know, it makes you feel like a Nazi. Yeah. Because <laughs> you feel it's the... As Uber, rich as a Nazi. Is they call it the Uber card. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Um. <laughs> so you're on Tubi. So I was on Tubi. So seeing all the movies that are putting their hat on and uh, packing their, their bags. Their bags and some, like, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Not so fast, buddy. I got to watch you first. Uh, takes the hat takes off, <laughs> unpacks the bag. Fine, Unwind what the scarf they were going to put on. It's summertime, but whatever. I'm not taking the dog out of the carrier. <laughs> All right. So I watched um, Michael Mann's Thief with James Caan. Oh. Which I'd never seen before. He passed away today. I, that's what I heard today. Yeah. So I thought, I thought, well, that was very timely of me Wait, to watch that film. Were they predicting James Con- James Con's death? When they say leaving soon, leaving soon, they do meant, they mean the actor? I guess that's what they. Gee, that is rough. Tom Hanks is leaving us soon, by well, the way. What? Ah, I just watched, I watched him. I watched him in Cloud Atlas. Oh, okay. Have you seen Cloud Atlas? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I saw it on a plane. I was confused. That's probably not the best way to watch a movie. By probably the way, not. It's like a two two hours and fifty one minutes. That movie. Yes, it is. And I said. That's quite a time investment, but I'm up for this because I've never seen it and I've always wanted to see it. 
And our uh, friend of the show uh, did some designs on that. Uh, Steve Scross. Yes. I'm sure he did. Okay. Because there are so- some future elements to it. That's right. Because there's two, there's actually three directors to the film, the Wachowskis. Yeah. And then Tom Zweiker, I don't know how to say his name, he's German. He did Run, Lolo, Run. Well, just yell at them. <laughs> I am the master god. <laughs> uh, no, he's a German, uh, yeah, German director. He did, like I say, did Run, Lolo, Run. But he did. Great. So he did uh, most, mostly the 20th century elements of the film. Okay. And, and the sisters did uh, the 1846 sequence. And then they, then they did the twenty one whatever, and then the twenty three whatever sequence as well. Like there's like different time elements to it, and all the stories are told interwoven with each other. So it cuts from time period to time period and story to story. But I actually found I thought it hung together really well, and I thought there was some kind of there was also some fun uh, kind of little comments on itself as well. Oh, okay. Like there's a scene where. Um, the actor, the British actor, whose name has now escaped me, but if I... Hugo Weaving? Not Hugo. Well, no, he's Australian. Oh, well, I'm uh, so sorry to hear that. Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent, that's right. Yes, okay. Jim Broadbent is, he's yelling, uh, he's like, he's trying to escape from a, an old old folks home that he's been trapped in by his by his nefarious brother. And he's he's yelling something at the, the window and it, but it directly comments on another part of the film. And now I can't remember what it was. Now I'm sorry, everyone. I've I've watched so many films now; it's all been erased from my mind. But um, what, what's really also really fascinating about it is, well, it has Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, yeah, uh, Hugh Grant, who's practically unrecognizable in every scene he's in in the film. Like he plays so many he's different characters. Fun now. Oh, he's having so much fun now. I really yeah. there's one sequence where he plays like, or he is recognizable. He plays like a an executive for a rather nefarious nuclear. A uh, company that's involved with like atomic energy, or whatever, and he does that in a very Hugh Grantish way. But otherwise, he's playing like he's playing like a, a crazy headhunter in one part, like in this, uh, but a future sequence, like a future headhunter, not a past headhunter. But he's all like made up, like with tattoos all over himself and all this stuff. And you're like, is that Hugh Grant? That's, that's Hugh Grant. <laughs> and quite often like that. And then Tom Hanks is in it, and, and there's like tons. It's, night at the, it's nice at the end when you see the credits, and they they reveal like yeah, who was yeah, like everything. You're yeah. like, whoa, yeah, that? okay, that was fun for sure. And I, I mean, I'm a person who never has trouble following a plot mm-hmm. of a film. So to me, it it was it hung together remarkably well, and I really I really enjoyed it. I thought it was all very good. I. I I liked all the sequences. I enjoyed the payoffs to all of the stories. All the stories had kind of a payoff to them. And it was a lot of fun. It was a really fun film. Some of the stories are small. Some of the stories are big. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some, you know, some are bigger than others. And it, it was, but it was all good. It was all good. I thought everyone, like, you know, they got all good actors except for Halle Berry. But all, all good. Yeah, what are you going to do? Know. Yeah. You got to use Halle Berry. You got to. You're kind of required to. You can't write her off in your taxes. But even, but, you know, she was fine. She was fine in the parts that she did. And I, I yeah, I thought it was really quite good. I'm, I'm, after seeing it, I'm sad that that film didn't do better. And obviously I contributed to that by not going to see it in the theater. But I was, in those days I was very busy with children. So I didn't see yeah, a lot of stuff Yeah, I don't know why the I didn't see it. It's weird. Yeah. Like I'd see movies. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, it was, uh, it was 2012. I think we kind of got put off by some negative press from, from poo-poo bum-bum heads who didn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that it's was too mis- long. I think. What do you a, mean it's too long? I think that was a mistake. Like uh, going to the website, ain't it? Poo poo bumhead. Poo poo bumhead. Say, um, yeah. I just feel like 
I think there was like the sense it was too long a movie, and it, and then people were like, oh, it's too confusing, too cut up. But no, like if you're going to make a movie like that, you don't want to do like every secret separately from each other because that would be boring. Mm-hmm. Like what's more fun is that you are going back and forth between these two stories, and and they're kind of resonating with each with each other, and that's how the book was written too. So I yeah, assume. at least they're yeah, and if they're doing listen, the Wachowskis will always be doing something different. Yeah. So you know you're gonna go, you're gonna go, and like, did it work for you? Eh, maybe something, something. But at least like, uh, how was it? Well, I'm glad I went. Yeah. Like it's yeah. you know, with the possible exception. And again, I'm sorry. I know people like it. Speed Racer. Speed I Ra- like Speed Racer I, myself. No, I realize that. Yeah. Uh, how but, come you don't you know, like it? At the end, with like the dancing mon- monkey, and they're all doing the thing. The anytime <laughs> the monkey and the kid showed up, it yeah. was just like, no. <laughs> I don't know why. It was just like I just can't. I can't do this. Huh. I can do everyone else. This yeah. is fine. But then that monkey and the kid yeah. just show up and it's just like, okay, it's fine. I know technically these are jokes. Mm. I know technically this is, this. it's, ah! and then when they're dancing over the credits or whatever, it was just like, nope, nope, yeah. nope. I feel, I, I'm not a fan of Jupiter Ascending. I think it's a misfire myself. I think. I've grown to like it because I've watched it with people who really like it. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, you can't train me. He's a werewolf on a skateboard. I gotta give you that. I gotta give you. He's, he's a not on a skateboard, on a skateboard though. Skateboard. He's on. He's on rocket roller skates. He's not. Yeah. He's not on a skateboard. Okay, that was a skateboard. And you know, <laughs> she controls bees. Okay. Ugh. And as things, and she's the queen. Uh, mm. Though, uh, you know, I do have to agree with my sister-in-law that uh, she should have uh, learned how to clean a toilet before playing someone who cleans toilets. Because <laughs> you do not kneel in that spot because that is the filthiest spot there is. Mm. Yeah, that is the one. I'm sure she's used to cleaning it at home rather than doing it professionally. And I think most people that do it at home just do kneel in that spot to, to clean their toilet. Right, if you're if you're a lady. Uh, yeah, but do you have any uh, gentlemen that live in the in the house with you? Well, then you don't, shouldn't do that spot. <laughs> There are some misaims. Stuff happens. Anyway, it was very good. It was very good. But all, right. also, Thief was very good, too. Now, what was Thief about? Thief was uh, is, is James Caan playing, uh, you guessed it, a thief. Okay. He's a safecracker. Thanks for the spoilers, time. <laughs> He's a safecracker, and he gets mixed up with the wrong people. I was going to go in over his head? Yeah. All right. He just ends up being kind of forced through circumstances into working for people that aren't the best sort of people. Okay. And what he's getting from it and what they're getting from it are two different things. And uh, and there's personality clashes. I'll say that. It's weird to me that the movie Thief, which one you're talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. came out in 1981. Yeah. Uh, and the movie Thieves came out in 1977. It would feel it would feel like, oh, someone already took Thief. Yeah. got to call ours Thieves. Yeah. Because Thief is better than Thieves. But Thieves came out first. Mm. Marlon Thomas, as- uh, Charles Grodin. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say, probably not as good a movie, but it has Charles Gordon in it, so automatically, four stars. Um, forest fires? Four stars. Oh. Not forest fires. <laughs> that's so a weird... Automatically, it's like walking through a forest fire. <laughs> that's, what? That's, that's a, a weird... weird that's, yeah, a, that's an odd thing to that's say. That's my way of reviewing movies. How many forest fires <laughs> is it? Four forest fires. Uh, you know, it's quite good, and, and it's surpri- It's one of those... It's a slow burn. I'll give it that. It's, it has James Belushi in it. It's got, oh, I see James Caan... And who else was in it that was uh, significant? Um, Tuesday World. And Willie Willie Nelson in a nice little small but nice role as a sort of mentor character. But a mentor character who's ineffective, which is is very – I always think that's interesting. It's kind of like the character played by – oh, gosh darn it. In Taxi Driver, the guy who plays Wizard. 
Oh, What's okay. that actor's name? He's in Young Frankenstein. He plays Frankenstein in Young Frankenstein. Oh, uh, Peter... Uh, Peter Boyle. Boyle. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. An ineff- effective mentor mm-hmm. in Taxi Driver. Like a guy that, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, here's, here's the font of all wisdom. No, he's just a dummy. And that, that's, what, that's an interesting thing in that film. Where it's one of those things where they're setting you up to believe this guy has all this wisdom. And then you listen to him and you go, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> because the movies give me this sense that he's knows stuff. It's a hard, it's hard not to realize that he's an idiot, though, until you, you're listening to him and then you go, no, this guy's not giving good advice at all. He doesn't know what to say. He's a dummy. He's a taxi driver. <laughs> he's, not, he's not living the best life in the world. Yeah. You know? he's like, yeah. Um, what else did I watch? I watched, I watched, well, I went to the movie theaters to see um, Bob, the Bob's Burgers movie. Okay, I have seen that. Really good. Really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, really, the great music good was. Good songs. Yeah, the music was great in it. I love songs where they have two different people singing two different parts, yep. you know, their own kind of part of the song. And I thought that was and then great. It's, and then it feels like, oh, so it's not a musical. It's just got a song at the beginning. Then they, you know, meet the little kind of village in the in the, in the, in the city, you know, with everyone, everyone around. Like, oh, we're singing again. Yeah. yeah oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Now we're singing again. All right. Yeah. Very good. And it's a good song. Yeah. Now uh, we're back out. It's yeah. Like, oh, now we're singing again. Okay. All right. Sure, right. sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not a... It's not a sung movie, but it has songs in it, which I thought was good. Because Bob, Bob's Burgers has musical parts to it. so Yeah, and it's a tough one because what do you do with Bob's Burgers? Do you make it too big? You can't because it's got to be grounded because mm-hmm. it's Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Well, then why isn't it a TV show? Why isn't it an episode of the TV show? Yeah. And it's not not an episode of the TV show. Like there's, you know, t- TV sh- episodes that have used similar plots. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Uh, you know, there's tension. You're yeah. worried for him. It works. Good. For, yeah. yeah, it works. It works. I you like everybody. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a nice touching thing. And then they have a little thing at the end where uh, you see a character you've never seen on the show. And it's like, mm, and you get a little uh, touched. And it's good. Yeah. It's very sweet. It's it's such a nice show that they they, they did a thing that was interesting in like one of the first episodes where uh, Bob goes, you know, oh, my family's terrible. And, uh, and he doesn't do that. Like uh, yeah. past that point. And it's like, nope, he loves his family. Yeah, yeah. And they're delighted by each other. And <laughs> given the choice, yeah. they would spend time with each other. They don't avoid yeah. time with each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if one of the kids is interested in something, they both want to help and are interested. Yeah, yeah, they work together. And yeah. yeah. And then Linda's like this total positive force of uh, positivity. Yeah, I like yeah. her punching him in the nuts. <laughs> Just like snap out of it, punch <laughs> two times. Yeah, <laughs> it's a metaphor. Two times. Bam, bam, bam. Don't actually. <laughs> yeah, it's a metaphor, Bob. Yeah, they have a very realistic marriage. Like mm-hmm. I buy, I buy their marriage. I yeah. see why they're together. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 if you compare it to something like The Simpsons, where they felt like they had to do something so crazy over the top in their movie. Yeah, and it's okay. It's okay, but then they kind of. Ugh. Then they then they forgot about the most interesting part, which was like, oh, so the city's stuck under glass. Oh, well, what's that like? Yeah, we'll get back to that later. And then they never do. It's like, no, <laughs> that's interesting. We yeah. care about all these characters. You can do stuff. No, nothing. But they they pulled it off with the Bombsburgers movie for sure. Yeah, that was fun. And there was legitimate danger. Like it really mm-hmm. felt like mm-hmm. the scary scenes were like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know they can't kill them, but like, oof. Yeah, good. And yeah. apparently on the show uh, this season. Uh, they uh, were setting up what happens on the front street uh, through the, through the season. Oh, okay, so they okay. were making little little things happen on the street. Yeah. If you look, you'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, okay, about, to, that's okay. about to happen. Yeah, yeah. Fun. And good for Kevin Klein, uh, Mr. Fishoder. Yes, such a good job. Oh, my gosh. Didn't say no to that role. Thank God. 
Yeah, he just went, he just goes. He's just such an interesting character. Like you're not quite sure where it's he's so, going to go. It's so low key as well. Yeah, like all all. It's always low key with that show. That's the only thing I like about it. It doesn't. It never really. It doesn't reach levels of stridents or anything. That mm. I am a character who's declaiming. You know, it's always yeah. And you care about the kids' goals, and you <laughs> want them to be able to achieve their goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're small, small, small goals. <laughs> so small, and that's and that's but, what makes. But realistic, it. yeah. Or small, it's like again, yeah. Simpsons. You know, Homer's won a Grammy. Yeah, he's won the Olympics, and it's like he's been to space. Yeah, it's like yeah. I remember uh, going to uh, a talk where it was uh, some of the people that do King of the Hill, okay. and they went like, you know, we love the Simpsons. But at one point, Homer goes to space, mm. and then you can't come back from that. Okay, it's very tough to come back from that. And so, you know, Hank Hill will never go to space, and if he does go to space, <laughs> that is our final episode, and you'll know we're done. <laughs> and I don't think Bob will ever go to space. Either. Yeah, unless I don't know space. Well, it would be a fantasy sequence. Yes, and that, then it would be also be a musical. That'd be fine. Yeah, that'd be fine. Um, another movie I watched is Assault on Precinct Thirteen, the original. Uh, the John Carpenter film. Okay, his I have not first seen his first movie. Why Why are you doing air quotes at me? Because there is doing? there is Dark Star, which was a lengthened student film that he'd done at at uh, whatever he was at whatever California School of Film he was at at the time. He and Dan O'Bannon, uh, who of course famously wrote Alien, but he and Dan O'Bannon did a, a film together called Dark Star as a student project, and then I guess I got enough interest that. Some pro- producers wanted to stretch it out into a full into a full length film, and so they added some sequences and made the film longer. But John Carpenter has always kind of disavowed it as being a situation where it should have just stayed as a student film calling card, not okay. as a not as a first film. And to him, Assault on Precinct Thirteen is his real first film, where he was really directing a movie with you know actual money from the get go, not just building a bunch of but. Dark Star is a very good film, though. Right. By the way, it's a really. Have you ever seen it? I have not. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. I mean, it's really crazy, and so you know, it's a student film, but it's quite good for a student film. Well, it says it says here about Assault, yeah, that it was made for a hundred thousand dollars, approximately. That's yeah. that was the beginning budget, but I think he went over that budget when he's when he was doing post production. Okay. And the deal was that he would have total creative control, but mm-hmm. it would be thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, there was there what that that's almost. That's almost the pro. That's almost the project that Universal had at that time, a little earlier than that, like at the turn of the seventies, mm-hmm. when Easy Rider made such a big splash, and all the studios were like trying to cash in on this these crazy hippies. <laughs> Universal had a program where they would give you like a set amount of money, and I don't know if it was like a hundred grand. I can't remember exactly what it was, but that's where like um, American uh, American Graffiti came out of that. Uh, two-way blacktop came out of that. Unfortunately, uh, Dennis Hopper, crazy Dennis Hopper, blew it all for everyone else by by doing the last movie and then stealing the print and going to Thailand and okay. trying and editing it into a big mess there and uh, and over and over going over budget and all kinds of other problems. Kind of ended ended that program. But while it lasted, it was an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. You know, just to give a set amount of money to a young filmmaker yeah, yeah, and yeah. just let him make a movie. That's very very tempting. There's yeah. been a couple of times that they've. Tried that in Canada and mm. uh, not gone well. <laughs> not gone well? No. They spend it badly and it yeah. screws up and then it screws it up for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a special kind of person to do that, you know, like... And you also have to be working... I mean, Assault on Precinct 13 <laughs> is actually like a pretty ambitious film 
for that kind of money. But it's but it's still. I'll also say see also Tundra Comics as an example of uh, Eastman and Laird. Or it wasn't yeah. just it was one of the just, two of them. Just Peter Eastman. Eastman, yeah, who was like, oh, I've got a lot of money. I'll give uh, comic creators money and they'll do their comics. Thanks for the money. Oh, where's the comics? Huh? <laughs> and that was uh, the way that worked. The Zarek Grant did a lot better. Laird's yes. Zarek Grant did a lot better as a, as a, which was almost the same thing, but he just gave the money to a, a young creator and it was up to them to like carry it, carry the ball into the end zone. No one else is, no one's going to help you. Let me just that. say this, by the way, to the people that uh, were the comics creators before then who took the money and then didn't do comics. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Really made things easy for us. Thanks it was a lot. great. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that money. Uh, and uh, fuck you. We all enjoyed that single issue of Tyrant, Steve Bissett. Yep. That's good. What's it going to be? It's going to go for how many years? 20. Really going to do the whole life of the dinosaur. Oh, that's right. Good stuff. I'm uh, moving on. <laughs> the old timey bitterness. Dreams of a rare bit fiend, the Rick Veitch. Yep. One that didn't really go anywhere either. But I mean, partly, it should have. Peter Eastman, it's kind of on him too, where he should have been like, when they presented these ideas, he should have been like, no, that's dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, I know that, you know, there are people you admire. Steve Bissett, of course, famous for his work on Swamp Thing. Yeah, beautiful. Rick Veitch, you know, it's like... This sounds like a Brat Pack idea. and The One and all those kind of interesting yeah, comics he was doing. So you're like, What oh. are you going to do? You can't possibly lose enough money yeah. off these, like, couple of ideas. Like, you're making Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle money. Yeah. Which the hell knew was gonna last forever you would think but they sold out at a at a, at a certain point, at a certain with, point. Yeah, so they yeah, weren't yeah. making the they weren't making the big bucks off of it oh, okay fair enough they made the they made the small bucks and then they cash cashed out so which makes sense i mean it makes sense like you're yeah. like, like how long this seriously how yeah. long are people going to be interested in teenage mutant ninja turtles i say having just bought the video game <laughs> for my playstation like i don't know two yeah. days ago it was very dumb of them to sell all of the rights for it. They should have kept some of the rights, or at least kept a, an interest in it. But money's money. Looked pretty good, I guess. That's right. You gotta you gotta launch uh, heavy metal. <laughs> That's another problem. That's right. Oh, I'm gonna bring in this big. And the thing is, like, <laughs> heavy metal wasn't a success, yeah. even at the time. It was. It was like a. It was basically underwritten by National Lampoon, the uh, the magazine success, underwrote. Heavy metals, expensive. I wouldn't call it failure, but it wasn't like a bit rip-roaring success. Very few people wanted to spend, you know, magazine money for three pages of comics and then wait another month to read another three, three pages of comics. It just doesn't work here. Like, if you're going to do that that thing, then you got to do it like Pilot or Spiru or whatever and do it bi-weekly right. or weekly. So you have a constant turnover, you know, a constant... Uh, production schedule that keeps people into it but having to wait a month for three more measly pages of the airtight garage of jerry cornelius just doesn't cut it <laughs> sorry you lose interest even i did and i thought that was a beautiful comic but i still lost interest in it because you had to wait a whole month it's too long anyway i agree okay yeah. sorry back to the movie i saw the precinct 13 yeah a really good movie and kind of it's sort of interesting i also watched I also watched uh, a, um, oh my goodness, I'm so bad at names now. What happened That's to my okay. brain? My brain is gone. Mine more my, so, my so. don't worry. Pam Greer, a Pam Greer movie called Sheba Baby, which you've probably, I mean, we've all heard of Foxy Brown. Okay. We've all heard of Coffee. Those sure. are the famous black exploitation Pam Greer vehicles. 
those are the movies where she really gets, you know, her assets out so we can see them. But uh, Sheba Baby is a little more, a little, it's a bit later. So it's a, you know, I guess she was kind of like, I am done with flash and flashing my stuff. So we can do some side boob, but we're not doing any full <laughs> frontal. Yeah, I, I have sort of the same deal now. Yeah, you, you feel yeah, the same I'll way. Do, I'll do side boob. Yeah, but that's about it. That's all. That's you know, you know. what? At, at a certain age, you just go like, yeah, yeah. you know what? With your dignity. And Sneaky Dragon has suffered from it. Yeah, suffered for it. But you know, I have to we stand to, behind yeah. you because I'm a friend and I now understand. Now we're calling how you it feel. Side, side Dragon. Side Dragon. <laughs> side cast. That's what we meant by side cast. Just casting just an eye on the side boob. Side boobs. Just side boobs. <laughs> a couple of side boobs talking about movies. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's called Sheba Baby. And it is like in the same vein as I haven't finished it yet. I was watching it, but um, yeah, it's in the same vein as as other black exploitation films. And by the way, <laughs> is black exploitation an ironic label? Because I feel like if you're watching a movie mm-hmm. and it's directed by a guy named William Girdler, which Sheba Baby is, okay, that you're not being directed by a black guy. No, no, it's not about direction. So it's just about exploiting it's, black it's actors. Because that would not be exploitation. Well, that's the thing. That would not be exploiting. So it's an ironic name. Like, black exploitation, it was really exploiting black actors and selling them to a to a market. So basically, they're going like, oh, this guy's this guy, uh, Dolomite, has made like a lot of money off of a very bad movie. Okay. We can make a slightly better movie. Not much better, because we don't want to spend a whole bunch of money on it. But we can make a slightly better movie with... You know, well, nudity people, and et cetera, et cetera. Would people uh, put out movies and call them exploitation movies? Because I feel like they would. I feel like that was a thing. Was that not a thing? That was like, these are exploitation movies. And you know you'd be going to them and you're going to be seeing some like yeah. like edgy stuff. Yeah. Like, and so and so since you've got that, we're going to like add another word to this. I think I think the name is, uh, is retro, um, whatever that would be. Okay. That is not of the time. It's not wasn't called black exploitation at the time. I could be wrong, but but I've always I always thought that they were like black empowerment those films. Sure. But watching them, watching Coffee and Foxy Brown, these are all on Tubi right now. So I was watching them on there. And I think I'd seen them before. But you know, if you're watching a movie where like okay, I'm gonna say yeah, uh, yeah, a, an exploitation movie was any movie that had un, unrated material. Okay. In it. Okay. So if you in the 70s, if you had. Sure. Uh, un- oh, and the '60s as well. Yeah. Late '60s or early uh, to late '70s. Sure. Uh, so if you went to an exploitation movie, yeah, uh, house and or you know festival or night, you knew you were going to get something that was a racier. I guess like pink flamingos, like the or, sort of. I don't know. Was Caligula sort of, out at that point? I don't think Caligula would have been considered an exploitation movie. It was well, from, I mean, it had like hardcore pornography in it. Yes, inserted into the film. I guess that I guess that would count. Yeah, I don't know. Is it hardcore pornography? I've never seen Caligula. Oh yes. Oh really? Yes. How ridiculous! It, well, here's what happens: is uh, the, the the like so you know someone walks into a room and it's yes. like an actor that you know. And yeah. Like, Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell walks in. Okay, Malcolm McDowell walks into a room and he's like, ha ha, and looks over to his left. Yeah. Cut to hardcore pornography. <laughs> Cut back to Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. Malcolm McDowell is not in the room. He has no idea this is going on. Yes. This well, is- maybe someone told him. But uh, yeah, it's this. I think I think the truth is, yeah, that is this sort of all happened after the fact. Like, okay. The actors were not in on this part of the movie, so could be, yeah. Because so there's that there's that. Uh, so I think that does count as yeah. Yeah, there's that Swedish exploitation film. They call me one eye about a woman who gets loses an eye in a rape or whatever, and then it's like a revenge movie. But in the movie, there's like a hardcore 
sex scene that was inserted with completely different actors. Okay. Playing the main characters. Okay. Having sex with each other, but they don't even look like the characters. It's just sort of thrown in there. I've never I've seen the movie, but I've only ever I only ever was able to find it in the in the original Swedish version. So I have never I don't know what the heck they were saying to each other, but I just was curious. I wanted to see it since it was apparently a influence on Kill Bill. Anywho, the screenplay was written by Gore Vidal. Okay, fair enough. For for Caligula. Yeah. Yeah, I think once again, but not the hardcore sex scenes. He wrote like the Oh yeah, yeah. He, he wrote the classic, the classy parts of the movie. Yes. You know, and then uh, it was it was produced by Penthouse by Bob Guccione yeah. from Penthouse. And he uh, he made uh, two hundred thousand dollars. You could make two uh, two of the movies we're talking about now. For he him. only made two hundred thousand dollars from Cal- Caligula uh, to write it. Oh, Gore Vidal. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> she meant that Bob Guccione only made two hundred thousand dollars from the movie. Like no. that movie played for like a year in Vancouver, protested every night by the by a bunch of uh, blue noses, but uh, or blue stockings, whatever they call themselves. And uh, and uh, one of the original people that they tried to cast as Tiberius was uh, Orson Welles, and they were gonna they were huh. offering him one million dollars, which was the highest salary ever offered to an actor at that point. This is before Superman, uh, I think considerably, because yeah. Marlon, Marlon Brando got eleven million dollars for playing Jor El in that See, movie. When was this? This was uh, it was released in seventy nine, but it was you know it was being cast okay. before then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I guess yeah. before before uh, they paid Marlon Brando yep. a ridiculous amount of money to do nothing. But yeah, uh, Malcolm McDowell's in it, Helen Mirren, Peter O'Toole, Sir mm-hmm. John Gilgood. Yeah. So, yeah. so so when you're asking like, what porno is Sir John Gilgood? <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. like, it's, it's Caligula mm-hmm. and uh, Behind the Green Door. Those are the two. Those are the two he's in? <laughs> yeah. What's behind this green door? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> what the butler saw? What are you doing with a <laughs> 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 so yeah, that, that, those scenes were cut into Arthur. The, the, the <laughs> butler, the butler opens the door and uh, the hardcore sex scene. <laughs> Boom, chicka, wow! Uh, Something's caught between the moon and New York City. <laughs> All right, assault on precinct thirteen from nineteen seventy six. So, well, the reason I brought up Sheba Baby is because Austin Stoker, who plays the the police lieutenant in in um. Assault on, Assault on Precinct 13 is also the love interest of Pam Greer in Shibu Baby. Very good. Okay. Because so I started watching it and I said, whoa, look at it. To, to Lisa. Look, it's the same actor from... Anyway, Assault on Precinct 13 <laughs> is, a, is a crazy movie. Yeah. It is a very good film, but it has a very disturbing beginning to the movie. And I, I don't know if I... I'm sure people know by now. I, I don't feel like I'm going to spoil a movie that came out in 1977 or 76. When 76. It's um, the Bicentennial. Let's set the tone. It's the Bicentennial. Do you remember in Kim... In Montreal, Ri- the Olympics are starting. Go ahead. Do you remember Kim Richards? She was no. in Escape from or To Witch Mountain. She played okay. the little girl in those movies. She was kind of a Disney actor, I guess, or actress at that time. All right. And uh, now you can see her, or at least you could see her on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, I'm so sorry. She was a real housewife. because she sorry. She married a grocery store magnate uh, at some point in her sorry. Life. Well... I'm sure she's. I'm sure she's happy. Is she? Got new breasts, do, new do, face, do the, new lips. Do the people in uh, that those new shows inner look thighs? Happy? Is, is happy? What well, they are? you they cannot change their facial expression, so I don't know. Okay, they could be happy. They just you just can't tell because they're frozen in time. All right. But in the film, so in the movie, like when I first saw, it, I saw it on television a long time ago. So this is kind of why I, I partly rewatched it because they were talking about it on Blank Check, 
They okay. Did a, a few a while ago, they did a John Carpenter run through. So okay. I was like, oh, I know all John Carpenter's films. I will listen to this show. So I was listening to it, and then I was like, you know what? I don't think I've ever seen the beginning of this movie. I think I tuned in ah. like five minutes into the film or whatever. So it was on Tubi. And so I thought, well, I'll watch it. Plus, I can see it in uh, the original screen aspect because I originally saw it in a TV yeah. pan and scan version. So th- this is also appealing. And so I watched the film from the very beginning, you know, and so it gave more context to what, what the movie was about. When I saw it, it was very mysterious what was going on because in the movie, like there's these a gang who have gotten hold of a bunch of automatic weapons mm-hmm. and the police are very interested in finding them. And they, and they kill a bunch of gang members. Okay. And so the gang members are out to get the police. Right. But then there's a scene where these gang members kind of just sort of um, keep kind of buzzing by in their car, this ice cream guy, like an ice cream uh, guy. What do they call him? Ice cream seller? Vendor? <laughs> Vendor. An ice cream man. Ice cream man, you know, with his little car tooting right. along, playing music. An ice cream barista. An ice cream barista. And Kim Richards and her dad are in this kind of uh, questionable area to pick up her nanny because okay. something's happening where he wants the nanny to come and live with them. And so he wants the daughter to convince her to leave this neighborhood and come and live with him. Okay, so how old is Kim Richards? She's like eight, eight okay. or maybe ten years old or so. And so the dad's on the phone trying to find out where he's, they're lost in this neighborhood. And so he's on the phone talking to the nanny. And she goes over to get an ice cream cone. And then she gets the ice cream cone from the from the, the guy. First he says he's closed because she's worried about these guys that keep driving by in their black car. But they disappear over the hill and he's like, oh, okay, I'll give you. And she's asked for a vanilla twist. Okay. So he gives her an ice cream cone and she walks away. And then she walks away and she's like, this isn't a vanilla twist. And she goes back. But just oh. at this moment, the guys have returned. Right. And he's holding a gun in the in the ice cream vendor's mouth behind the... Mm-hmm. And then she comes up and she's like... Because that guy also didn't get a vanilla twist. Yes, that's his problem. Everyone's all twisted up about this. So he... Uh, so the cream just comes up and she says, Hey, mister, this isn't a vanilla twist. And so the guy just shoots her through the ice cream cone. Ooh. Just dead. Okay. Like, dead. Okay. And then uh, he kills the ice cream vendor. Right. And then they just drive off. And the dad runs over and realizes what happens. And then the vendor's like, there's a gun under my dashboard. And he dies. And then the dad grabs a gun. He chases after these guys, kills one of them. Mm -hmm. So then they want to get him. And he runs to the police station. It's Precinct 9. It's actually Precinct 9 in the movie. But I guess they thought Precinct 13 sounded better. It does. They're right. By the way, uh, if you're thinking like, did they kill him in cold blood? No. Cold fudge. (laughs) So... (laughs) So then he goes and t- hides in this police station, which is being decommissioned. Okay. So it has like a skeleton crew because the real police station is, you know, over there. Right. And meanwhile, uh, a bus full of uh, convicts arrives because one of them is sick. And the, the guy who's taking them to the prison, which is a long way away, wants to, uh, is worried about this guy who's sick. And so they're going to hold, you know, use the, they didn't know that there's a decommissioned police station. They just kind of show up there. And then suddenly they are under attack from all these gang members. But what's really cool is, or what's interesting, is that it's all done with silencers. So they're firing these silencers into the this police station. Mm. And there's like a huge gang. It's not just like a couple of guys. Like they've made like a blood oath, apparently. We, we learned through the film that they made a blood oath to to kill anyone, to kill all the police and whatever. So because of, of the other gang members are killed, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's, so they're just like in this police station and like, it's just like... <laughs> And all these like windows are breaking cool. and, and papers are flying up in the air. They're getting hit and all this, all this stuff in the office. And everyone's like ducking down trying to, and uh, a bunch of people get killed, of course, because they don't know what's coming at first, what's going on. 
And so it, it ends up with like a really small group of people trying to defend this police station. Yeah, but it's a really good movie. I highly recommend it. It's a lot of, it's, uh, cool. you know, it's got like a plucky gal and a convict who, uh, uh, you know, a guy who's going to death row who, you know, turns out to be like a stand-up guy and, you know, just all the kind of cliches. It's basically like John Carpenter was like doing a remake of Rio Bravo, the Howard Hawks film. That's what he says. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was combining two movies. That was one. What was okay. the other one? Hmm. Are they both older films? Uh, well, uh, you already guessed Rio Bravo, so yeah. you know that one. Yeah. It's from 1968. The other film. The other film, yeah. 68. It's a horror movie. Oh, really? 68 horror movie. Yep. And he's combining for that. Yeah, he was combining uh, Howard Hawks, Rio Bravo. Yeah, and what was the horror movie? Horror movie was Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yes. He, th- he thought of them as zombies. That's right. He says he thought of them as vampires or zombies, yeah. like, like the uh, gang members. Yeah. Because they don't care about dying. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't care about dying, and, that, and that's what gives gives them sort of a ghoulishness. Yeah, right. Yeah. And because of that death that you just talked about, mm-hmm. they had uh, uh, they had problems with the um, MPAA. That's right. Yes, they were going to get the film an X rating, so he took out the the death, and then after they got the movie uh, rated by the MPAA, he just put the scene back in again. That'd be so funny <laughs> if like you saw like the the previous version is like, hey, Mister, this ain't no vanilla twist. Yeah. Oh. I'm terribly sorry. And then says to the, the guy with the gun, do you mind if I give her the vanilla twist? Yeah. Well, of course. You're an ice cream man. I don't want to get in the way of your business. Yeah. Here you go. Would I mean, you like one as well? And they all have a nice ice cream vanilla twist. And then she walks off. Well, goodbye. And like, bye. And it's all great. They probably wanted, I mean, they couldn't take it out entirely because it would actually destroy like the whole motivation, motivation of the dad and stuff like that. But they probably wanted him to cut like the the visual elements of seeing her get shot. Right. I thought when you were saying it's such a disturbing thing that it was going to be like a sexual assault or something. Like no, that. I mean, it's just, you know, like no one wants to see the kids get killed. No, I know, but like it's that. the 70s, man. It's the 70s. And also you, know, you want to... You watch a 70s movie, especially early 70s. Yeah. Like, oh, let's see what's going on. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. What are we... <laughs> what's going on? What's happening here? That's right. It's the last house on the left. Yeah. Yeah. The jokiest. We let, we let Charles Manson write a couple of scripts. <laughs> the, and here we go. Yeah. And, Movie yeah. suffered from tone, tonal here, problems. Here was, we are enjoying. I mean, I guess, like, when I talk about, like, train spotting being yes. disturbing, because when the baby dies, it's not that just the baby dying. That's not what's disturbing. I mean, that was obviously disturbing to me as a, a young father. Yes. But what's. Just, what, Every parent I know can't. But watch what that. ruins the movie is that it's the characters that you are supposed to like who kill a baby mm-hmm. like you cannot come back from that as as characters like you have gone beyond the you're pale supposed to like them i think you're supposed to i think you're supposed to not necessarily like them but you're supposed to forbear them you're supposed to like think they're kind of funny in a way like spud is funny that he went to that girl's house and then lost control of his bowels in her bed that's kind of funny yeah you know it's kind of it's kind of, it's supposed to be like wry, like Riley, uh, a reminiscence of a time when, oh, weren't we, weren't we terrible then? And, and this doesn't work when you put a, a dead baby into that mix because you, you put the characters in a place that they're beyond okay, but how your about, sympathy. All right. So the, all right, let's. Like you can't sympathize with them. Like whether you, whether you, you know, all of them, like when, when, um, Ewan McGregor's character, Mm-hmm. you know, takes the money and kind of escapes at the end of the film, possibly to a better life. Right. You're just like, well, whatever, who cares? The guy kills babies. Blah. Mm-hmm. You know. But when, but when the topic is 
you know, their uh, heroin. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like these are these are people who like heroin has destroyed their lives. Mm-hmm. All of them in, do, in sure, various sure. different ways. Sure. So then, what are the what's the con- you got to have your we got to tell you how bad this is. Yeah. Because it can't just be lighthearted romp, you know. Of <laughs> but it is like, sort of a lighthearted of, of, of romp, these, though. Of these fun-loving junkies. The scene when he jumps into the toilet yeah, yeah. in order to get his, his dime bag, it's a heroin surreal. back. Yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be lighthearted. Okay. You know? And maybe the, I, maybe the film is, like, wanting to get darker well, and darker. I mean, you can go lighthearted, or I don't know if it's lighthearted, it's surreal. It's a surreal scene. And it's, like, gross at first. Sure. Like, you're just, because it's the worst toilet in the world. Yes, but it's supposed to be kind of amusing. It's not supposed to be, like, we're not supposed to go, like, sure. oh, this is terrible. And you can have amusing things in a movie that goes in very different directions yeah. as well. But you definitely need to have a scene then. And pos- possibly the scene is, like, this guy is just going to this toilet. Yeah. Look how bad... It's been for this guy. Like, sure. He's going in this toilet. But before but, that, when Spud or Begbie or whoever mm-hmm. are all kind of unpleasant people. No, they're unpleasant. That's fine. But their characters are presented in a way that we're supposed to, like, okay. at least be, at least uh, enjoying watching their right. But their you're, you're okay. You're writing, producing, whatever, this movie. Yeah. And so you have these characters that we're following along. And, yeah. You know, th- there's enough entertaining elements that, you know, mm-hmm. it's a movie that people want to spend some time with. Yeah. Uh, so you don't want to have the scene with the, with the dead child. Understood. What is the impactful scene that takes you aback and makes you go, fuck? Because you need that scene in yeah. a movie about heroin. Sure. You can't have the lighthearted heroin movie yeah. that then has everyone at the end. Yeah, they're all okay. Mm-hmm. And they're going about their lives. And, and the next time we, we check in with them, they're, they're all right. They're doing fine. It's like, <laughs> no, that's not a movie about heroin. Yeah, yeah. Like, what yeah. is? what? Because heroin has, you know, an impact on people. Sure. So what is the thing that you put in there that makes you, that oh, I think definitely you could, makes you go cold? I think you could, well, you don't have to go cold, but I you think do you could. Kinda. You kind of. Need, you need something that's like, well, how gets about, you to your core. How about he meets a young girl? Okay. You know, who's innocent and fun-loving and stuff Age like that. Age appropriate. And she, yeah, she's like 13. And, <laughs> and then he... You know, introduce gets gets on heroin because all heroin addicts want other people to be heroin addicts because okay. they want to be together in there because it's so great. And then you know she just kind of sinks into that life and then dies. Mm-hmm. You know, and so to me, that's haven't we seen that though? I mean, I, that, that I guess, feels... but that's choice. Then well, it's the not it's problem... not a victim of. No, but there's a big problem with that too. And yeah. the, you know, then you get the we're following all the guys mm-hmm. and the guys can handle it, but the women can't handle it. Yeah, and here we go, and that's what you get in those kind of See, movies. See, the thing is though, and like, you know what? The only reason that she yeah. dies is so that he goes farther on his journey, mm-hmm. and you know, her he he she isn't her own character. Then yeah, she propels his character. That's that's a flaw. So you got. Well, to that's the same flaw for the baby, then, or is a baby no, just a thing? Because the baby is such a the baby has no gasp. agency. Well, the baby is such a gasper. Yeah, like the baby is so holy fuck. Yeah, that you know you never you never from that point sure. on think like you know what, but heroin does sound like a good idea. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> but that's why I mean that's why killing the kid in. In Assault on Precinct 13 or Killing the Kid in Dr. Sleep, it's okay to me in those films because it has a narrative drive of making you despise the characters that do it. So whatever happens to them is okay. You know, like whatever happens to the the group of people that like to steal the the shining from from little children, once you see them like torment a child and steal that from yeah. him, then you're just like, 
fuck these characters. I don't care about them. Whatever happens to them is okay with me. I guess I look at it a different way with that. With Doctor Sleep, it bothered me because it went on so long that yeah. it felt exploitative. It felt in a way that like, because they're killing, they're killing the kid and hurting yeah. the kid, yeah. but not in a way that makes you go, I hate these people. Mm. It, it's in a way that's like, that's pretty cool what they're doing like they're they're using oh, i don't feel it i think yeah they're, they're using magic too, yeah they're using magic and they're getting stronger and they all look cool yeah and they look really cool while doing it and cool music's playing it's all cool i don't like, think it was presented in a cool way but okay really because they all look super fucking cool like if 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 it was something i don't think that at all if it was something like while they're while they're doing it they look bad they look like they're starving. They're monsters. They need yeah. this. They have to feed. They don't want this. But they're digging it. It's yeah. kind of sexual. It's kind of like, you know, as in like they're getting they're getting off on yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like, mm. and so how long do you want to play that beat for? Yeah. And you know, it's there's ways there's ways of going about it. It's it's like the first the first I get it in a horror movie the first death has to be the death that makes you go shit. Yeah. And so what's your shit movie yeah. in uh, move in? In 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 this, like, is it is it something to do with like in sorry in train spotting? Yeah, is it needles? Is it something about yeah? Needles? But it's not is a horror movie. Gross? It's not a horror movie. It kind of is though. It's like a memoir. You know, uh-huh. it has a narrator telling you a story about these people. Right. You know, and so it's in, inviting you into this world and, and you are coming into it. And yes. And when, when you die have the baby, the it always... goes full horror. Yeah. Like it's got the baby rotates its head like the exorcist. That's a, that dream sequence. Yeah. 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 It's a dream sequence, but it's a horror dream sequence. That's kind of silly, but yeah. Is it? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really work. For well, me. the audience the audience was freaked out in the when I, when I was watching it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's how you're reacting to it. It's definitely played in the same way mm-hmm. that like you would have a scene like that in a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously like a guilty dream for yeah. for uh, McGregor's character, whatever his name is. But it's like I get, I get what you're saying of like take that out, fine. Yeah. yeah. But then what do we put in to replace sure. it to have the impact? Maybe you have to have a dead baby in that movie, and maybe Transpotting will never be a movie for me. Okay. Because I it just to me that just makes the movie stop dead in its tracks and can't recover again okay you know but uh i say uh i say uh somehow cut his dick off who uh you and mcgregor you and mcgregor fine you know <laughs> something 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 is mutilated about him yeah, yeah. and he'll never be the same again okay you know and i'm saying this in the most blunt way possible but it's like something is but why would he deserve that you mean after the baby gets killed no 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 we're not killing the baby oh, okay you want the okay. baby you don't want the baby killed Something that he does as a heroin addict yeah, yeah. gets him mutilated himself in some mm. way that he'll never be whole again. Okay, sure, sure. To show, to yeah, show he that. He could get like a gangrenous arm or whatever and have to have Something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He loses, he loses his arm, loses yeah. something, loses his foot, something yeah, yeah. along those lines. Yeah, it could be. It could be that. It's got to be something that's so fuck yeah. that you would not, you know, not come out of it going like, heroin. <laughs> You know what? What I'm going to do is just write the album and then quit. Yeah. But I'll write the album first. Sure. Because I, I think I can handle it. But I think for a certain age group, a dead baby isn't a big deal. So I think it's less effective for that. You know, if I was a teenager and I watched that movie, a baby dying in that movie, I'd just be like, eh, it's not. A- I don't think it's age as much as do you have a kid. Like it's yeah, really, yeah. It's really, uh, it's really is a dividing line of like people who are parents. Yeah, yeah. Can't watch that scene. Yeah. They just can't. And it's yeah. like, nope. Nope, 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 nope. Done. Yeah, because people abdicating their responsibility in a way that's that's fatal. Yeah, and it just doesn't. You're just like, nope, fuck these yeah. people. But to be fair, never want to see them again. You have, you have not done heroin since watching that movie. You know what? You're right. When I used to do it all the time. Hmm. Yeah, I just thought it was 
anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, to go back to Dr. Sleep for just a minute, um, Mike Flanagan, the director, you know, intentionally hired Jacob Tremblay for that role because he wanted someone who could play it in a big, in a really effective way, like a really, you know, heartbreaking. Who is Jacob Tremblay? He's the boy who gets oh, killed okay. in the, he, he was in Room and stuff like oh, that. Okay. Yeah. And um, that kid has a rough time. <laughs> he does. He does. Can we he was, have like a he was movie? in Good Boys. Yeah, cool. really rough. He was in Good Boys. Really rough time in movies. Oh, okay, all right. I was gonna go. I just want like a movie where he wins the lottery or something. Give him one of those blank check movies. <laughs> hey, guess what? He's getting paid to be in those movies. He won the lottery. Did the guys from Blank Check ever review Blank Check? Is there a movie called Blank Check? Yeah, there's a movie called Blank Check. I don't think so. Yeah, unless it was done by someone really famous. Okay, let me take a look. <laughs> the show needs. Uh... Yeah. Who did Blank Check? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, it was. Uh, Who's the director of Blank Check? I'm gonna tell you, Rupert Rain- Wainwright. That doesn't help you at all. Nope. Uh, Brian uh, Bonzal was the uh, was was the guy. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Uh, the film follows a boy who inherits a blank check and uses it to buy a house under an alter ego, but it's soon being uh, searched uh, for by several members of the bank he cashed it under. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, negative to mixed reviews, but a box off office success. There you go. Uh, so yeah, definitely. The, there you go. Um, hmm. interesting. Yeah, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it nine uh, percent. I um, as you know, we like to play the box office game, and I like yes, to play. Do. I like to play it at work in the lunchroom because it's fun to have other people ch- chirp in, chime sure. in when they, when they have an they have an idea, mm-hmm. and um, then you find out how old they are. But yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. And the movies are from 1984. One, one of my work friends. Ghostbusters. It's just Ghostbusters. One of my work friends, uh, he is, I would say, flabbergasted at how many films I know who directed them. Oh. And he's like, I don't understand why you, why you have to know like who directed movies. And I'm like, that is the most important part of what makes a movie good or bad. Okay. Like if you were looking for a good movie. You're not looking for a movie with a, a certain actor in it because that's no guarantee that that movie's good. Right. Like any actor can be in any movie and mm-hmm. they have no control over whether it's good or bad. Who has control over whether it's good or bad is the director. You know, like if you like a particular film, if you're like, I really like Die Hard, you go, well, watch other movies by that with, you know, that are directed by that director. Then you know that those movies are good. You know, go see yeah, Predator. I love, I love see. the first Die Hard movie. That's great. Okay. You, uh, it's a, you must like the character John McClane. I do. Okay. Here's Die Hard 4. Oh my god. <laughs> Star five, what, it's even worse. That? Oh my god, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, four is not terrible. I mean it's not great, but it's not terrible the way five is. Five That's is just right. like you might as well you just negated the whole character's meaning. We're not a hugging family. Damn right. Yeah. Yes, you are. Wait. Watch the end of the first movie. You are a hugging family. Is this the guy who who like almost died trying to save like a group of people in a building and now he's running over them in a car and they're like on a on a road? Like, yeah. Yeah, are you running up uh, the wing of an airplane to? Like, That's know. fine. I'm okay with him doing doing stuff that. like that. Just, just so long as it doesn't like negate his central character, which is the person who wants to save people. Mm-hmm. Which the fifth film negates that character. Um, and I said, I think his vulnerability. Uh, is also part of this. I think that's an important part of it too. I think you need that as well. Yeah. So kinda, he's got to be like tying film. the hose around himself and going, I got to jump off this ledge. <laughs> oh boy. I don't know about this. And then he goes through and it's like, his feet, his poor feet, they're yeah. bloody on the window. Yeah. Oh, right. Cause they're full of glass. Oh, that hurts. Oh, is he going to get through? Ah, oh, he got through. That's good. Cool. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Whereas the other, yeah, the mm-hmm. guy in the fourth movie would just like you know snap the hose with his hands and then just jump on a helicopter blade <laughs> and just run on it and it'd be fine. Yes, all CGI as well. Really horrible CGI. It makes you cringe. Yeah, so that's what I just said. You know, I had to put into a sports analogy for him because he doesn't understand anything I said. I said if you go to see a hockey team play and they're coached by Ron Hitchcock, then you know it's going to be a really defensive-minded team. It's going to be boring. They're not going to want to play an open ice game that's fun to watch. You know, and it's the same with directors. Like if you go to see a Rob Cohen film, you know it's going to be a piece of garbage with the worst film fight scenes you've ever seen in your life. That's just who he is as a director. Mm-hmm. You know, and I tell you, and he goes, oh. He finally made it clear to me. <laughs> the sports analogy did it. Yeah. And then you say, that's because I directed this conversation. I directed this conversation. That's right. <laughs> to my own liking. But anyway, uh, I saw from Precinct 13. Good movie. Very good. Shiva Baby. Haven't got, I've only watched about a half an hour of it. So Assault was gotta leaving say. soon? It was in the what? leaving soon okay. on, uh, oh no, I don't think it was on, but it was in the leaving soon section. I just searched it for it because okay. I was interested in seeing it. I got to look at the, uh, we got the Criterion channel mm. and I got to actually watch more things to justify it. Um, <laughs> yes. but yeah, they, they did their, you know, uh, you know, here's what's here. And it's like, oh, okay. It's always nice to watch those. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time. Like when they're putting the, when they're starting thinking about starting the Criterion channel, I signed up. So they're kind of, I intend to subscribe when you start. Yeah. Just to give them like the idea of what the numbers were. And by doing that, it gave me a chance to sign in at an early good price. Okay. That would be forever my price. Oh. But when they started the channel up, I A, didn't have a lot of money in my pocket. B, I was in the middle of coloring Spark, so I had no time to be watching the Criterion channel. So That's fine. So I didn't, I didn't sign up for for the channel at the time. So now I'm like, oh, I could have signed in for that amount and I got to sign up for this amount. Ah. And I still don't have much time for watching I stuff, even though I've been watching a lot of movies this week. Just come over to our place and watch, <laughs> watch stuff here. Watch stuff. Make, justify it for you. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, American in Paris was on, and I was like, I watch this every time it's on. Mm. I just watch it. It's just good watch mo- it. Good I, movie. And, I, and there's times where I just go, is this a musical? It doesn't feel like it's a musical. Oh, now they're singing. Yeah, it's a musical. But they're sort of singing in the street. Like, he's singing to the kids. Yeah. Is it a musical? Yeah, it's a musical. It's a musical. Yeah, it's, a, it's musical enough. You know what's weird about that movie to me? Everything. It's a very freaking weird movie. It uh, was made before Singing in the Rain. Oh, why is that weird to you? I don't know. Singing in the Rain feels like an older movie than American in Paris. It feels like it's Singing in the Rain is like a step back in terms of like okay. the ambition of American in Paris. Okay. Like the whole ballet sequence with like, with the paintings being used yeah. to create the, you know, there's nothing. I mean, that's kind of why they put in the uh, Broadway melody part of, uh, you know, with the kind of the gangsters you know, kind of thing in singing, singing in the rain was to kind of um, do a repeat of the, of that sequence in American in Paris, but it's not as, it's not as imaginative as the American in Paris one. I don't think it feels like an American in Paris is like the kind of the culmination of that style of filmmaking. And so singing in the rain feels weirdly like a step back, even though I prefer singing in the rain to that film, just because I'm more of, I like humor more than, than melodrama, but um, yeah, it's just weird to me. They're different, and uh, there is a um, there is a, su- a Superman connection in, uh, in in this as well. Uh, Noel Neal, uh, Noel, Noel. Uh, she was Lois Lane in Superman: The Adventures of Superman. Okay, okay. She, she's in the movie, but she plays like a really brief role in American in Paris. American in Paris. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Aunt Aunt Harriet from Batman's also in it. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's like in in the shop, like. 
looking looking for something fancy. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And then Gene Kelly compliments and makes uh, makes the sale. Who who else is in the cast? Uh, the guy from uh, I Dream of Jeannie. Um, the uh, the guy who's always like trying to uh, catch Major Nelson in his shenanigans. Oh, okay. Plays, I don't uh, don't remember Doctor Bellows. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. He's uh, he's in it as well. All right. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. Is Kay Thompson uh, Madge in it? Madge Blake, uh, who plays Aunt, Aunt Harriet. That's is right. Kay Thompson in it? Kay Thompson. I am not seeing her here. I'm okay. seeing Gene Kelly, Leslie Cannon, Oscar Levant, George uh, Grote, uh, Nina Falk, uh, Eugene Borden, uh, John Elridge, and Anna Q. Nilsson. Oh, that's who we got. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's just nice. Oh, there's a bunch of songs in it. Yeah. Oh, nice. Good stuff. Anyway, everyone uh, watch uh, that movie. And also watch Singing in the why don't you? It's good. Yeah, just watch Gene Kelly movies. You're gonna feel happy. <laughs> he uh, he moves good. He's quite. And if you just, good. I don't want to watch a whole movie. Don't watch that's entertainment. Mm. That's fine. Or that's entertainment too. Or I think there was a third one. I don't know. <laughs> so, oh yeah, there was that's entertainment part three. There was also that's dancing. I have, that's dancing came. Uh, um, my friend David M gave me a box set of that's entertainment DVDs that he found at the Valley Village that has now left us. I'm hoping that it'll return. I'm hoping that it'll re- return. Yeah, it's a drag. I don't know what the situation, I don't know if Valley Village owned the building, if they own the land, if they'll just rebuild on it, or what the plan is. be nice if they just put a, put a new one up, but it's Vancouver. It it's is Vancouver. Vancouver, Dave. It is Vancouver. It's Vancouver. That's what they say at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's Vancouver. It's Vancouver, uh, Jake. I was, uh, again, like I was mentioning, I'm trying to swim every day, generally, now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so it's, and, and it's especially nice swimming when it's rainy. Because people don't swim. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it gets to be like 14 degrees and you go like, well, this is dumb. I shouldn't be doing this. Um, <laughs> That's not so bad. It's not so good either. Okay. It's uh, kind of cold. Sure. It's freaking cold. Um, but uh, yesterday uh, there was a band, like a like a, the tuba, it was almost a klezmer band. Okay. And they started performing like right outside of the pool. And, uh, and I you, think you chased them off. Yeah, yeah, in my in my trunk, so like yeah, yeah, clap, <laughs> clap, 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 clap. Uh, but uh, they were performing, I think, because there's a little tunnel that was there, and it's some nice acoustics. Okay, but it was really charming. It was really, really, really sweet. Mm. You know, they're just really uh, just nice. It's nice swimming to a tuba. It's, uh, it's good stuff. And then another fun thing happened where uh, a dog got in. This cute little dog just ran in into the pool. Yeah, just ran into the pool. Wow. And uh, you know, it's it's got one of these. It's not like uh, you know a lip on it where. Yeah. You know, it was one of these where you gradually can walk in. Sure. So, like, this dog just went, run, just ran in. And this cute little dog, and he just ran in the water and just sat there and was so happy, so happy. <laughs> and the uh, the uh, lifeguard uh, said to the guy, hey, you can't have your dog in here. And the guy was, I know. <laughs> As he takes off his shoes and rolls up his pants. <laughs> and has to go into the water, and the dog goes, okay, and then runs out. And like, ugh. <laughs> puts his puts his pants back then the dog runs back in the water oh like, man oh boy the dog's just having the time of its life that's great it was great and there was uh people in the pool and, and like everyone who saw the dog just went hey it's a dog and like everyone would just just acknowledge that it was a dog they just had to say out loud it's a dog in the pool and it was mm. they're not they weren't wrong i was once i have trouble with dogs and pools because i was once invited to a pool party at someone's house. Oh, bragger. Which I didn't really want to go to because I'm, you know, I'm not really a party person. Also, you had your own pool. I had my own pool, which is That's a very... That's the thing I think you got to It's a very nice here. pool. And let me just say, I have fussy parents who made me take good care of that pool. 
I mean, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have been that, you know, exacting. I had a pool for like six months, and yeah, so for the about the four months we were able to use it. Yeah, I did do the chemical thing. And yes, the thing and check I had to the do the check. The, do the, the chemical check. Drop, drop, drop the chlorine puck if it was course, needed. When you do that, then you have to, and you're measuring it, and you're looking at the thing. Yeah, you got to do this. <laughs> I took a I took I a never, co- I took a that. COVID test yesterday. Okay, and that's uh, one of the things is you gotta like pour liquid into a little tube. Yeah, right yeah. There. And so you got to you got anytime it. anytime you pour liquid into a tube, you have to go. <laughs> 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 Which would have been bad then if like the, oh you got COVID oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad. Sorry. I take back that laughter. He says. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like yeah, we had to vacuum the pool and all that kind of stuff. But I went to this pool party at this girl's place. Yeah, yeah, pretty great. And <laughs> I'm saying that because I'm assuming it was the '80s. It was the '80s. I was a teenager. Oh, I was a teenager. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh I was, yeah. I was a teenager, which, oh, yeah. i.e., nothing happened. <laughs> so I went. I thought about it, but nothing happened. But I went to this pool party, right. and of course, I brought my swimming suit. Most likely a speedo at that age. I don't know what I had. A onesie. A onesie. I went, went it, brought my towel, went there. I think my mom dropped me off because I'm a cool guy. And I went to this pool party. And of course, pool, me, water, yes. So I jumped in the pool right away. Okay. They had done nothing to that pool. <laughs> Her parents weren't fussy. They let their dogs swim in the pool. Yeah. It was full of hair. It tasted like hairspray. <laughs> The pool literally tasted like hairspray, as if she sprayed hairspray in her hair every day and then went swimming, and it was never treated. The water was never chlorinated or anything was ever done. Oh, so sorry. They never vacuumed it or anything. It was like like diving into a dog's bath after they got out of it. And uh, so ever since then, I'm sort of like, okay, dog's baths are okay, but not great. I mean, dog swimming in the pool. Yeah. I can, like, even if it jumps in in a movie, I'm like... I kind of shiver a little bit, like, oh. Yeah, you're not wrong. I don't want to. Yeah, we got that dog out of there right quick, but (laughs) it had a lovely uh, 30 seconds. Sure, sure. Yeah. Because, you know, dogs don't know where they are. Dogs know nothing. They don't know where they are. They don't know what's appropriate to do in a pool. You know what? A dog's in a movie. doesn't even know it's in a movie, stupid dog. And I grew up, I grew up swimming in a pool in my, I didn't grow up, but we had a swimming pool in our backyard for a long time. And, you know, so I would jump in it. I would happily let the water go in my mouth and spit. Squirt it back out again, you know. Sure. Nice, cool, refreshing, slightly chlorinated, not super chlorinated water because it was our own pool. We didn't have to like over chlorinate it to make up for the, mm-hmm. the, you know, the entire population of Delta jumping in and out of it. Oh, that was a mistake to do that when I jumped in that pool. A mistake. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. What was your, uh, what was your, uh, I'm not going to have you say this out loud on the air. Yeah. But what, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll get this part off of you. What was your street name? What do you mean street name? Uh, that you grew up on. Oh, Warwick. Warwick. W-A-R-I-C-K? W-A-R-W-I-C-K. W-A-R-W-I-C-K? Yeah. So I lived in, two. Okay. I, I lived in Gloucester Estates, sir. Classy Street. Staffordshire Drive. Right. All right. Love, love Warwick. That. All right. Now I'm just going to ask you to uh, to give me uh, your address, but like with fingers so that I'm not saying it out loud on the other thing. Okay. Or you can just write it down. Oh, sorry. I'll just give you a finger thing. Ready? Okay. Okay. I gotcha. 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 Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> I'm just curious to see if the right. pool still exists. Oh, okay, okay, I'm okay. Just gonna, I'm gonna look that I've, I have met the person who bought the house from my parents. 
many years later. She's a friend of, of a lady who sings in choir with me. Okay. So that was kind of interesting to get her take on our house post our living there. Apparently, we were uh, characters that were well-known in the neighborhood, <laughs> which I did not realize. Really? Yes. We were known by our backyard neighbors for being noisy. Oh. We were no, known by our to-one-side neighbors as being all right, cool people. So mm-hmm. I, we we moved in about the same time together. Well, and, the people that live there now have a boat. I'll tell you that much. Oh, me. okay. All right. I'm trying to I'm trying to look now. I guess they don't have a above pool above your above your home. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what I can do. Can you get a satellite shot here. I'm trying to get a satellite shot. You're yeah. right. I got street I got street view mm-hmm. here. But what I'm looking for? Oh, let me let me go let me go back in time to 2009. See what that's like. Trees are smaller. Trees are smaller. That's the thing when you go back to your house. No matter where you lived, when you drive, go to see your childhood home, uh-huh. what's the thing that's different? The trees are bigger. Yeah, um, actually, where I where I they they cut the tree down. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, I don't I don't like that at all. No, I don't like people cutting trees down. That's yeah. not good. More trees is my. I strongly my I strongly uh, disagree with that. <laughs> I'm trying to get the trying to get the roof, but I'm, uh, I'm not. I'm so sorry. You'll never see the roof I jumped off of into a pool. No, though it is nice seeing the house. That's cool. You remember that house? I do. You were there many times. I can see your room. Let's <laughs> see what's going on in there. <laughs> what if they still have patio doors, like slidey patio doors? Yeah. They must have put French doors in or something, though. <coughs> what's the difference between a, pa- a patio door and a, and, a, and a French door? French door are like a swing open door. Oh. And a patio door is the sliding sort that slides. Oh, it is tough to tell. Mm. I'm so sorry. I wish I, I wish I could. I wish I could tell you. I drove by there about five years ago. What's oh, a pretty house across the way? That's some nice flowers. Okay. <laughs> what, the Allport's house? <laughs> There's got to be a way to look above. It just feels like everywhere now, they've just gotten rid of the pool. Yeah, it, ha- it does happen. I know the people down the street from us filled in their pool. Yeah. But it's crazy. It's crazy. It's the only reason. Uh, it's not <laughs> the only reason to have a house. But it's a good reason. It's a good reason. But it's a very good. Oh, oh I think I've got the above. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's see what I can do here. All right. Let's All right. find out. Uh, entertain the people, Dave. I'll entertain them. Right, As go. only I know how. There we go. And there we are. Should I do uh, top five songs? Oh, I'd love that. I would love that so much <laughs> if you did that. All right, let's start top five songs then while Ian's uh, computering over oh. there. Oh, oh. wait, oh. wait. I'm seeing a lot of blue in the back. Oh, that's a pool. I don't know. It looks like it's covered. Well, that's just it's... a solar blanket. Okay. Solar blanket. Yeah, they got a pool still. It's all fine. Beautiful. Hey, Dave. Yes. Remember back in the day when you used to do the Sneaky Dragon listening party? And that oh, I love that? doing listening party. What a fun show that was. It was a very fun show. Uh, I wish there was a little bit of that remaining today, like a ghost haunting uh, the studio. Oh, like a ghost haunting, like a baby ghost climbing along the roof? Yeah, that doesn't affect me, though, because I'm... <laughs> You're not. I have no soul. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about top five songs, everybody. Okay. This week, we're doing... You know what we're doing? No, tell me more. Uh, top five... It's kind of complicated. Top five songs about their music. What? Does that make sense? It's kind of complicated. This is songs that mention music in the songs. But not just music. They mention the music they're singing about. So uh, so it would be a song like, uh, I love rock and roll. Put another dime in the jukebox, baby. No. only that would be a rock and roll song. That would be a rock and roll song. But only if they said, I love rock and roll. I love listening to... You know, uh, Bruce Springsteen on the jukebox. Uh-huh. And then also mentioned other artists they liked. 
Okay. Then that's what we're that's what we're going for. This, this. wouldn't be a uh, uh, just take those old records off the shelf. No. Okay. Not that horrible song. All right. Not that horrible song. It was nice for that one guy who was running the uh, the you know the, the the brothel. What what? Tom Cruise. Oh okay. Yeah, a nice uh, fun uh, teenage brothel. Uh, uh, yeah. Romp. It's so weird. Where he's in his underpants. It's it's so weird. There's a movie about like the youth of today, and they're like boogieing to someone else's nostalgia. I don't dig it. Not the weirdest thing about the movie. No, that's more weird. more him running the brothel. No, no, that's normal. I mean, what neighbor didn't have a... Being chased by Guido the Killer Pimp. Yeah, what nor- what neighborhood did not have a teen brothel in it when, mm. you, when you were growing up? Very few. That's right. Very few. Maybe some of the, like, kind of more... Uptight ones. Poor would... neighborhoods where people weren't... You know what? The uptight ones would have more. What am I They would have more, about? yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ones that are more relaxed wouldn't need it. <laughs> what am I talking about? Yeah. So this is a top five songs celebrating their music. All right. First one is... This is uh, Dyke and the Blazers okay. with their song, We Got More Soul, from 1969. This is a, a single that came out on Original Sound Records okay. for, in 1969. So let's give it a listen. Oh, you brought your own listen. record player. Gee. Okay. <laughs> yes. Let me just get it going here. Oh, the worm sound of vinyl. Here we go.
And we're back. Smooth. Smooth. It's very smooth. I enjoyed it. Nice, good beat. Yes. Yeah, enjoyable. It's a, a nice start. It's a great beat because it's like a weird beat. Like it's slightly, yeah. it's that funky soul beat where it's like on the off note or some kind of off beat that I can't do. But they, they those guys who do that, they can do it so well. And I I started panicking today at, at work thinking that I had put this song on a Sneaky Dragon mix and I was reusing the song, which I try not to do okay. with the top five. I try not to never... It's not worth panicking over a few. Well, pan, when I say panic, I mean just sort of mildly, you know, having a heart attack. Okay. But but not just in a relaxed way. Right. A sort of mild, panicky heart yeah, attack. Yeah, a mild heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sort of mildly, my heart stopping, me laying on the floor... Right. Uh, person getting a defibrillator because uh, I was worried about a song being duplicated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just normal. Yeah, uh, seeing light above you, your relatives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, passing That's to right. the great beyond. Yeah, uh, making your peace. There was a woman uh, saying your, to not go to the light. Yeah, uh, telling me not to go to the light. Dragging you back down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you making a life, uh, the decision to live. Mm-hmm. God damn it, I want to live. Bef- going yes. back. Yeah, that that was that kind of feeling. Before I did that, I sent like a kind of weirdly slimy tennis ball back down through this. A way I was coming in and out of this place, I guess. I oh, know. you had a tennis ball with you at the time. I don't know why. It was in my pocket. Okay. That's partly why I was also panicking. I don't know why I had a tennis ball. Hmm. Dyke and the Blazers, everyone. If you want to know more about Dyke and the Blazers, though, uh, listen to Thinking Dragon Listening Party. I go into great detail in one of the episodes about that group. All right. Who are a very good group, but kind of un- underappreciated, I think. Yeah, well, you, you know what? Uh, you don't only do the obscure with this. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we sometimes learn a little something. A little something. All right, let's start with song. I mean, let's not start. Let's continue because we already started with the first song. You can't start with the second song. Why not? Because it's the first song. All right. But let's continue with the second song. This is folk trio, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah, I was ashamed that she didn't have a name being Peter, Peter Paul, and Paul Paula. Petunia, Peter, Paul, and Petunia. What's weird is that Paula. Paul Stuckey's real name was Noel. He was Noel Paul Stuckey, but but they thought that uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary worked better. So. Huh. Peter Noel and Mary doesn't really work very well. It doesn't really trip off the tongue, as All it right. were. Fair enough. Say it. Say it now. What? Uh, Noel? Pe- Peter. Okay, Peter. Peter Noel and Mary. Peter Noel and Mary. Noel, Noel, Peter, and Mary. Doesn't really work. Nah. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Better. Anywho, this is from their 1967 album, which was called Album 1700. Okay. Denoting, denoting that it was uh, it was W1700 was its catalog number. Ah, all right. Very good. Or the stereo version, WS1700. <laughs> this is I Dig Rock and Roll from that album. Right. Now, this sounds like it's a celebration of rock and roll music. It is not a celebration of rock and roll music. Nope. It is a celebration of folk music, but it also talks about rock and roll music. So let's give it a listen, everybody. Okay. I dig rock and roll music and love to get the chance to play. About the happiest sound going down today. The message may not move me or mean a great deal to me, but hey, it feels so groovy to say. I think the mamas and the papas at the trip sunset strip in LA. Shell and cares are sailing. Hey, they really nail me to the wall. 
I could really get it on in that scene I think I could say something If you know what I mean So, uh, all right, first of all, I know this song. Okay. And it's good. It's a, yeah, good, it's a good song. song. It's, it's like, hmm. I like their imitations of other people. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, but what, what I, <laughs> like, it, a big part of the song seemed to be saying, hey, yeah. shut up. Like, there seemed to be a, b- a bunch of that in it. It was like, you know. It's not shut up, but what they're saying is, hey, rock and roll is fine, but it's not folk music. It's not speaking the voice of the people. It can't tell you the truth the way that folk can. Because it's too commercial for that. Okay. Because what I'm getting out of it is, you know, uh, I like the music. Yeah. But, you know, if you ignore the words, the music's good, but the words... Yeah, the words are dumb. The words are dumb. Yeah. So it's just Unlike like, folk say, music, where the words are heartfelt and meaningful. Yeah. Rock and roll music. Bottle of wine, fruit of the vine. Are you going to let me get sober? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Way better. It's great stuff. Sure. By the way, good SCTV parody of that one, too. <laughs> Bottle of wine, sitting on my doorstep. Got a lot of thinking to do. Got a lot of drinking to do. Drinking and thinking to do. I don't remember like that one. Fo- yeah, it was a folk band. And, okay. You know, and and yeah, that one of the songs was just about like a bottle of wine on their doorstep. You know. Uh, you Did they know, get drunker and drunker? World, th- well, it was. They had this, and it was like this whole world has got its problems. It's up to us to try and solve them. Bottle of wine, sitting on my doorstep. Got a lot of thinking. Got a lot of drinking. Got a lot of drinking to do. <laughs> So it was clear that they were never going to get to the problem. Sure, sure. They were just sure. going to keep drinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> but anyway, it's a good song. It's it's good. Yeah. I like the Donovan and, and, impersonation. And like a nice di- yeah, you're right. It's a di- it's a dig song. It's yeah, just like yeah. You guys are great. If your lyrics were bad, or yeah. but the music's really good. You should be happy. But those lyrics, yeah, boo boo boo. Not so real. Mm. Yeah, okay. yeah. They have to lay it between the lines. Yep. Can't tell it right out. Yep. Got a hint at it. And they do. Got a hint they at it. do. All right. Let's move on to uh, now. Whenever I see this, this is confusing to me etiquette wise. Whenever I see this listed in on albums, it's Wayne County and the Backstreet Boys. Okay. But she became Jane County. Should it be Wayne County because that's historically accurate to what it was released as? Is or the, should it be Jane County because you're dead naming them by saying Wayne County? Are you naming the person or are you naming the the act? band? Right. Yeah, so it's a tough one. It's weird well, to me. It's one of those questions we should ask somebody. Yeah, it's weird. In anyway, fact, here's the thing we can do right now. Let's ask. So, what happens in that kind of situation? Yeah. Is it, right. is it Jane County or Wayne County? Like I know retroactively, we've yeah. already kind of uh, been talking about this. With the Wachowskis, yeah. Where the Wachowskis went by other names with their earlier work, yeah. Like in you know, but uh, when you talk about them, you talk about them with their current yeah, uh, yeah. names. But they're not like a like a brand, like a name. But because like it's like Walter Carlos who did the the music for Clockwork Orange, right? Became Wendy Carlos, 
And so you refer to her as Wendy Carlos, whether you're talking about her work on Clockwork Orange or her later work. Right. And I'm, I, I, uh, you know, and I sometimes bring up PJ Torkve, the writer who wrote, uh, you know, uh, was one of the head writers on WKRP. Sure. And I worked with on, on, on a project and also wrote Real Genius and then transitioned after they wrote those. But, but the, the works they have are under their old names. Yeah. So in that case, I would say PJ would be the appropriate name. But if the, but yeah, since you're saying it's like, yeah, it's the name of the band. Yeah, yeah. Oof, that's a, it's yeah. a weird one. Anyway, Jane County and the Backstreet yeah. Boys. Uh, and also a little confusing to be calling the Backstreet Boys. Because like, oh, Backstreet Boys. I was like, oh, that's weird that Dave put a Backstreet Boys song in there. Oh, no, it's a very different, <laughs> different Backstreet Boys. But it's a, before the Backstreet Boys. Uh, All right. I guess they could have made, a, they made a, a case about it if they wanted to. Could have. But they didn't. didn't. Kind of like the Dominic Troiano who played in... In the Guess Who, after Randy Bachman left, had a band called Bush, and he made a fuss when Bush came here from England, and so they mm. had to become Bush X. So it's kind of silly. I just feel like you can have two bands with the same name. No one's going to get confused over some old 70s band by the guy who played guitar in the Guess Who after Randy Bachman was in it. Mm-hmm. You know, but anyway. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to confusing names that sound like something someone else uh, with the last song. When we get to it. But yeah, for now. <laughs> so this is a, yes, Jane County and the Backstreet Boys with their 1976 single, Max's Kansas City, 1975 or 75, part one. All right. Here we go. Let's listen to this song. Let's do it. a tip from me and get ready for the big parade is the place to be every night's a happy holiday the kids are jumping around everybody's doing loop-de-loop just a making the rounds like a speed freak and a telephone booth the downstairs is packed and the groupies are all dressed up. Upstairs, the New York dolls are kicking it out. Looking tough. You got a personality crisis, baby. Kicking it out. 
Okay, we're back. We are. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, good uh, talky, riffy song. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like a nice talky, riffy song. This is kind of fun. It's just sort of like yeah. a little slice of time, like a little moment of time. Uh, uh, kind of an interesting little, you know, all these different groups that were playing at that time, the New York Dolls and bands like that, to, you know, get little name checks as well as his own band or her own band, I guess I used to say. And yeah, I was thinking about this too. So, I originally got this song on a collection from Rhino Records called DIY. It was a series of like nine nine CDs or so okay. of different scenes, like a New York scene and the Boston scene and LA and London. And, and then a, they had like two American um, power pop collections and then a British, British power pop collection. And um, so that was in 94 that it came out, I think. And then no one was thinking in those days about these sort of issues. Okay. So Wayne County and, and the Backstreet Boys makes perfect sense. And so I was kind of excusing it that way. I was like, well, maybe if they put it out now. But then no, the the, the other collection I have it on is this one from uh, a collection of uh, this writer named John Savage who does these sort of collections of music. And he did this one from that time period. And it's still Wayne County and the Backstreet Boys. And it came out in 2021. So I feel like, I don't know. I don't understand it all. I don't understand it all. Um... Anyway, it's a good song. Agreed. It's fun. Let's move on to our next song then, which is a disgusting celebration of music. This is uh, one of the longest band names I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> this is the Rock and Roll Double Bubble Trading Card Company of Philadelphia, 19141. I have to get the uh, zip code in there too, I guess. Okay. And the song is called Bubblegum Music. Now, my question about this is, Yes. Uh, Double Bubble have any uh, issues with this? I don't know. Like, it feels like, uh, you know, you can't do that. You can't name yourself, you know, Bazooka Joe, you know, or whatever. I have no okay. idea. All right. I mean, this band didn't exist. It's not really a band. Understood. It's a studio project. The name was put onto a 45 when it came out. Some kids bought it, and then it disappeared forever after. But someone made money off this. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. People made lots of money off Bubblegum. This was on Buddha Records, which was the which was Bubblegum Central at this time period. This is, that was a home of the 1910 Fruit Gum Company, the Ohio Express, the Lemon Pipers, the Professor Lollipops, <laughs> whatever they're called, Professor Lollipops something or other, Electrics, I can't remember what they're called now. And then also uh, Shadows of Night, all these groups that were like doing bubblegum at that time. They were the home of, and then they had lots of made-up groups as well, like this one, where you just like would, they you know, a bunch of studio guys would put together a, a song and then they would, uh, and then they would, um, yeah, just add a, put a name on it, like the Rock and Roll Double Bubble Trading Card Company of Philadelphia 19141. Okay. Anyway, let's listen to bubblegum music, everybody. Sure. Here we go. Gonna be 
Yeah, this is very. Uh, I, I got like images of the Archies in this. Well, like, sure, because they're bu- they're a bubblegum group. So of course yeah, yeah, you I could yeah. see like uh, the Archie characters all mm-hmm. playing their guitars in cartoon form. Yeah, you know, and uh, raising their hands up and doing all that business. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, if that's what you're in the mood for, uh, this is it. That's the thing. I would maybe I should look at. it. I would love to like have like a double like sorry double a bubblegum music like like a a book about it. Okay. Just so I could read about like who sang for these groups stuff like cuz yeah, cuz Ron Dante who sang sang for the Archies easily could have sung for this band because they just use session guys. They just they use session musicians, they use session singers and that's how these groups were made. They didn't exist in any way outside of the studio. I mean, they did exist, but they existed as touring groups that were completely removed from the from what happened in the studio. Okay. You know, they that, they didn't perform as as groups for most of these records. They just went out and, and, and performed as the band. It was studio guys and stuff like that, whether it was in New York or L.A., they're the ones that, that uh, created the backing tracks and stuff for these, for these groups. Okay. And yeah, I just, it's just so weird to me even calling yourself <laughs> clearly copyrighted name, but okay. Double Bubble. Yeah. Like if I called myself uh, the Kool-Aid Fellows. Yeah. You know my band. I was like, well, maybe Kool Aid would have a word with me. Sure, you know, because sure. I because I got to throw like a little old uh, trademark or copyright. Yeah, I guess so, there. but there is the Tom Wolfe book, the Electric Kool Aid Acid Test, and there's no problems with him using Kool Aid in that sense. Was that uh, an actual thing? Like, was the Electric Kool Aid Acid Test a, a thing that he was talking? Well, the Kool Aid Acid Test was a thing that was. Yeah, then it's a real thing that you can. I think you, you Ken Kesey and his Merry Pranksters would put acid into Kool Aid and then they would drink it and have parties. Yeah, uh, so. Yeah, that's a little bit different to, okay. to me. It's just like okay. you know, yeah, it's truth, historical. I could, I could write like I could write a book called "The Truth About Kool Aid." Yeah, as well as like, oh yeah, I'm, okay, you're okay. right, you can do that. But if you right. call yourself the Kool Aid guys, yeah, the Kool Aid fellows, yeah, yeah, the Kool Aid men. Unless I worked for Kool Aid, yeah, in which case I am one of the Kool Aid men. That you could but what if you spelled it with a C? Well, then you're not uh, doing anything wrong. <laughs> so maybe if they spelled double bubble with a D O U B B L E, maybe or D O U B L E. Possibly. I might have just misspelled it. I don't know. 
Yeah, you maybe did. So uh, maybe think on your sins. Think on your sins. All right, before we get to the last song, let me just say there's a couple of runners up. Oh, they weren't runners up. They're probably my favorite songs of these this sort of genre. One is uh, "Sweet Soul Music" by Arthur Conley, which is a great song. Uh, originally written for for um, that great singer Otis Redding, who unfortunately died in a plane crash before it could be recorded. Oh, so Connolly did it himself. And then the other one is of my favorites, but I, I played that one on the listening party, so I didn't want to use it for this. And then another favorite of mine is the Song Song, which is another bubblegum song, which was performed. I'll put this in performed by the 1910 Fruit Gum Company, but it's a really fun song where it just lists all these songs that were popular in 1969. Oh, okay. So it's like you know we're gonna. Um, you know, go, we're going to uh, go on down to Lulu's and do the horse all night. Well, go, you know, <laughs> down at Lulu's was a big hit, big bubblegum hit. The horse was a popular instrumental by Cliff Nobles. Oh, okay. It mentions like Indian Lake, the song by the Cowsills. It mentions all these different songs that were popular at that time. MacArthur Park is mentioned. So in that, that was not doing heroin, doing the horse all night. No, okay. no, it was a song. Well, that was my mistake. I wish I'd known that. <laughs> you wouldn't have killed that baby. <laughs> You keep bringing it up, and you're the one that bothers. <laughs> uh, Man. All right, let's go to our last this song. This guy, am I right? Okay. Our last song that confused Ian. Yeah, it's Betty Davis. Right. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe Betty Davis may have done a number back sure, in the day. Sure, sure. No, this is... I'm talking old-timey. <laughs> Why, this might be Betty Davis. Hello, folks. Um, Rarely it is. No, this is, this is Betty Davis. Called Betty Davis because she was married to Miles Davis. Okay. The trumpeter, famous jazz trumpeter. Right. Her original name was Betty Mabry. And that's why there's a song on Le Fille de Kilimanjaro, the Miles Davis album, Mademoiselle Mabry. Oh. Which was written for her when they were married. They were married together. They were married for about a year. And then these two tempestuous people could not stand each other anymore. But she was the one who kind of introduced him to psychedelic rock and, and, and got him into what was originally going to be called Witch's Brew. Which she, is... But she convinced him to call it Bitches Brew, which was the kind of first big fusion album okay. that made a big splash at the time, which is a kind of music I don't have much time for, but it's popular with some people. Okay. But let me just say that the preceding five albums before Bitches Brew are some of the greatest jazz of all time. Oh, thanks. Okay. And I include Le Fille de Kilimanjaro on that. ESP, all those albums. Good. Anyway. Very nice. Let's listen to Betty Davis, though. This is from her album, They Say I'm Different, that came out in 1971, I think. I forgot to look this up, so I'm just guessing. Uh, the song is called They Say I'm Different. Let's listen. She talks a lot about... She, when she grew up, she, her grandma played her blues artists, and that's how she kind of got into music as a youngster. And so she celebrates it in this song, They Say I'm Different. When you hear her sing, you'll agree that she's a little different sounding. Mm-hmm. She has a real interesting uh, attack as a singer. Let's give it a listen, everybody. It's nothing boogie down on Dre. Spit on They say I'm different cause I eat shit lens. And I can't help it, I was born and raised on a mass rider every morning. Have to stop the hogs and maybe getting off humping the jolly hogger. 
shine. The baby king and Jimmy Lee rock on that. What do you think of that? I thought it was a uh, very Earth uh, Kiddish. Earth Kiddish, okay. Yeah. Well, Earth Kid never got that funky, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I liked. No, I was. I was. But she uh, had like a, the kind of vo- vocal tics. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. It was definitely yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I was not. Uh, I was not disinterested. I love. I could have done another song called FN FN. Sorry, FN F U N K, which just celebrates funk and mentions other funk groups and stuff like that. By I'm her. I'm just worried that you came very close to saying fuck. Fuck. And we can't say that on the air. Well. Fuck. I shouldn't have said that. Okay. Well, Sorry. you know, uh, watch yourself next time. I will watch myself. Okay. Before I come in. Rich, right. Ritualist. Ritual. Please do. Yes. Watching Well, you know, that's just a good myself. idea. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. What was I saying? No one knows. No one knows anymore. Uh, you were saying she was unusual. She, uh, she was unusual. Yes. She, style. she did three. She made three records and she made more than that, but they were never released in, at the time they were made, unfortunately, by stupid record companies that are stupid. 
But I really, I do really like her sound. I think she's really good. And I love the <laughs> snaky guitar in this song, that brown, 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 brown. That's so, so cool. Good riff. And just her whole approach to singing. And she, her style was really great, too. She was a model before she became a singer. And, but she found modeling boring. But um, she's a really beautiful, striking woman. And she wore, like, really outlandish costumes. I must have been a bit of an inspiration for, for LaBelle. I don't know if you know LaBelle, who did Lady Marmalade. Have you ever seen okay. them? They dressed like they were space aliens coming down to Earth. <laughs> pretty great but uh yeah she had a real real uh flamboyant style let's put it that way pretty great nice well i hope everyone enjoyed this week's top five and if you didn't we'll give you your money back <laughs> if you didn't that's our guarantee dave will apologize yep uh yeah you'll get a free casper mattress <laughs> what is that i don't know it's a mattress oh. that uh, other podcasts sell ah yeah uh, for us, though, it's the ghost of a mattress. So you won't be able to see it, but you'll know it's there. Uh, so I'm going to turn now to the land of letters. Okay. Here we go. It's time to read the letters. Letters are about to be read by me. Here they come. Da, 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 da. Oh, why did I start singing the song? I wish I hadn't started. Okay, so our questions last week were... <laughs> what is uh, something that you saw on TV that scared you as a kid? All right. And what is something odd mm -hmm. that has obsessed you? Obsession we're talking about, David. Obsession. All right. So uh, we got a couple of... of Mine uh, yeah? are the uh, the uh, LGBTQ movies on Tubi. Watch another good one. A Date for Mad Mary. It's an Irish film. Really good. Okay. Highly I'm gonna, recommend it. All right. Uh, uh, and again, uh, try to look up uh, Better Than Chocolate. Which we talked about last last week. I think mm. you would enjoy it. Uh, and I will. we've talked about it more. Come these letters. Okay. Uh, so Louise writes uh, When I was a kid, I was scared by Balok from the Star Trek episode, The Corbinite uh, Maneuver. I uh, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And if I'm not, eh. Uh, he was a typical B movie alien with a bulging cranium, elongated face, and reptilian eyes. It turned out he was just a mannequin used to scare off invaders by the actual Bullock, played by a child actor, Clint Howard. Hmm. But puppet or not, as a kid, I found his look disturbing. <laughs> also, uh, there was the his was the final image in the montage of stills that ran under the end credits, so I have to see his frightening face each week. Yeah. I remember for, that monster. Yeah. For me, it was the Horda, I think. It was like whatever that Horda, thing, that little glowing rock thing? It was whatever the blob was that was like going through rock. That would like really? uh, kill it does people. Burn, it does, does kill people. Burn yeah. through uh, rock. Yeah, but I think he does it accidentally. Yeah, he doesn't mean to. Yeah, Spock touches it and goes pain. Yeah, and uh, everyone goes like, Take well, yeah, it down because it's notch. a burning rock you're touching. You ding dong. Yeah, yeah, dum dum. Spock's a dum dum. <laughs> uh, you think he's smart because he like uh, you know talks without emotion? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make you smart. No, makes uh, you repressed. Dumbest guy on Vulcan. That's why they made him leave. Mm. <laughs> uh, to oh, and yeah. now now we're gonna talk about better than chocolate. Uh, to me, the bookstore bombing subplot in Better Than Chocolate, 1999, uh, was a very relevant uh, part of the story and really set the movie in Vancouver, not just a generic North American city. It was based on the real-life bombing and harassment of 1980s of Little Sisters Bookstore. Mm. Uh, it showed the risk of uh, being out not just to your family, but to the general public and to uh, Canada Customs as well. The owners fought a long legal battle to stop officials from seizing their book shipments at the border for having obscene uh, content. Unfortunately, pride flags, rainbow crosswalks, and art installations are still being vandalized in Metro Vancouver. 
Uh, I could uh, see that being depicted now in a coming-of-age, coming-out movie if it were made now. You know what? It's uh, it could be like the next generation for that for that movie for sure. Yeah, I, I remember that uh, little sisters uh, controversy at the time. Because mm-hmm. the problem f- for Canadians with with board with customs border people is that it's the individual customs officer's decision mm-hmm. that renders whether something is acceptable or not, whether it's pornographic or not. And so, yeah, if you have a uh, a weirdo with a hate on for for gay people, then all all material is pornographic or or not suitable and gets stopped at the borders. And Little Sisters had a terrible time trying to have a store and also have stuff to sell in it because all of all of the shipments were getting stopped at the border and, and refused entry. Yep, there was a, there was a, it was a, we were kind of a firebombing city. There was also like a red hot video uh, before then. That's right. Uh, were, uh, were were firebombed uh, by the uh, what were they called? Because remember they 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 also firebombed or they also bombed a hydro plant up in Squamish, the Squamish, Squamish six, five. Squamish five, yeah, that's right. One of them was Jerry Hanna, who had played in the punk group The Subhumans. Oh, okay. And got mixed up with this group of people who were yes had a radical agenda. Were firebombing uh, pornographic video stores because of obviously the exploitation of women, mm-hmm. but they also bombed a, a hydro station and injured a person there. So they all ended up going to jail. Yeah, there's a, oh, I'm trying to remember her name, Robin something. She was a really good actor who's in the uh, movie of the Squamish Five that was uh, quite good. I remember that movie. Uh, Edward Jurgansky uh, writes, poor Clint Howard. He never had a chance, did he? He's fine. He's worked so much. We yes. should all have Clint Howard's problems. Yeah. But that's just me. Uh, I He's guess in rock and roll high school. I guess it's, it's great that his brother Ron loves him and includes the entire Howard family and almost everything he directs. I saw Clint in person back in the uh, late 70s while uh, Ron Howard was filming the television movie Cotton Candy at our mall in Mesquite, Texas. He was uh, well beyond Balak and all smiles as he uh, played a 19-year-old drummer in the uh, band Cotton Candy. Very cool. He's also in, um, what's it, uh, Austin Powers when they're doing a big montage uh, or the Austin second Austin Powers movie? Okay, I guess the Spy Who Shagged Me, I believe. Uh, where yeah, he's part of a long series of dirty jokes, and I think he's like manning a radar screen. If I'm remembering correctly, he does so much work. It's the penis one, right? Where they, it's a montage of different penis shapes that people. I keep. believe so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Edward uh, comes back for his own letter. He's not just a guy kind of guy who's going to comment on your letter and then leave. He's going to come by. He's going to set up a tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, put a little uh, podium or lectern out, yep. and he's going to start his own talk. And <laughs> he's going to do so now. Hello, Ooh. sneakers. By the way, Edward, Hello. I'm sorry if you've got an accent that's different than mine. And so I am falsely representing what you have to say in a way where you would have more gravitas than someone with a Canadian accent. I apologize, and I apologize because I'm Canadian. Anyway, uh, I need to reply to last week's message from Peter Ayers. There's something in me that loves uh, that widely hated League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> oh, it's a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen apologist, Dave. Uh oh. Let's hear how effective. It's going to happen. It's going to happen when you have your podcast for long enough. Yeah. Uh, I know it was a film with a troubled production, and it pales in contrast to Alan Moore's vision. Uh, but I love that crappy movie for some stupid reason. Uh, I'm all for a remake. Uh, the story is well worth it and uh, can be greatly expanded upon. I know. I would like to see. This is me interrupting your letter. I okay. apologize. I would like to see a television series. Let's see a television series with those characters. Let's do that. Uh, movie. Can you talk? No, no, no. Movies. Movies are, well, it's tough. 
You gotta like, you yeah. gotta come in. You but it, gotta, keeps, it moves fast, whereas the TV shows everything slows down to a crawl. Well, t- I I disagree. I think like it's the opposite. I think the problem with the movies is you gotta like you know introduce everyone, and then you gotta wrap everyone up at the end. But at least with a television series, you get at least those four episodes in the middle where things can like just take off and go yeah. and just be into it. If they do, well, that's or that's they, what you should do. Or they just stretch it out. Yeah, it's also a possibility. But but is this not true of movies as well, David? Is it not true? There's less time for, for... Is it not? There's less time for that. I mean, bad movies, yes. Having never seen MGM's The Wizard of Oz in a theater, I waited all year long to watch it on television, usually in the spring. No DVR, no DVD, no <laughs> videotape. You watched it when it aired, period. It was not to be missed. Oz was my favorite thing ever back then. It's but true. the one part of the film that scared the living shit out of me were those apple trees. <laughs> I remember watching that scene with Dorothy and the trees from behind a chair in the living room. I couldn't imagine trees looking and acting like that. They were horrific. Uh, most kids were scared of the Wicked Witch, Flying Monkeys. So the, true. Or even the great flaming head of Oz himself. But for me, mm-hmm. it was the apple trees in the forest. I was scared of everything. My mom tells me a story of how scared I was of those trees. We were outside and a tree branch caught my jacket and snagged it from behind, thinking... It was one of the apple trees from Oz. I slid out of the jacket, screaming in panic, and ran into uh, into the house, leaving the jacket snagged on the tree branch. <laughs> My imagination always got the best of me in any circumstance. Damn trees! Well, if you ever saw the movie Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2, you were correct. Correct to be scared of the trees. Well done. Also, the happening. Bad trees. If I was like Dave and I was making lists of things, you know, like he does with the music, but like of, you know, movies with bad trees. Um, by the way, one thing. Other ones to, too. Um, Evil, Evil Dead has yeah. bad trees in it. Oh, I said that. Oh, you said Evil I Dead? I said sorry. Evil Dead and Evil Dead too. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Must have phased out. That's absolutely fine. By the way, the reason it changes from black and white to color, because, uh, you know, beforehand we're in like our world and in our world, uh, uh, Toto, uh, we're getting Toto's perspective. <laughs> Because you're going to see him black and white. But once, he's in the mm. world where everyone can talk and yeah. it's all magic. Sure. Freaking color. And now the dog can see in color. Ah. Boom. Or you can do the other joke, which is just like, this is Wizard of Oz through Toto's eyes. Black and white movie. More black and white movie. Back to black and white movie. Uh, I'm obsessed with style guides and I have a collection of 350 of them, both printed and digital. In my industry, huh. when, when the time comes to design ads and promotions for anything, a movie, television, sports, etc., Style guide with all the proper digital graphics is sent over to the designers and art directors as kind of a Bible to work from. The first style guide I ever collected was from the first X-Men film in 2000. And we were working uh, on it, uh, and we were working on it a good year in advance of the promotional tie-in with Dr. Pepper. Imagine Dr. Pepper taking a drink. (laughs) I finished my drink. I'll just pretend I'm sipping on it. You mentioned Dr. Pepper, don't you know? So we gotta take a drink, cause it is so. When he mentions Dr. Pepper, then we gotta go. Okay. Uh, the art was the best ever and ready to use, straight from 20th Century Fox. Okay. Various high-resolution images of all the X-Men, logos, backgrounds, and iconography. It was perfect. We used it to design Dr. Pepper cans, store signage, magazine ads, and packaging. When the promotion was over, they sat on a shelf forever. So I gave these style guides a home. In the years that followed, I acquired guides from the films of Spider-Man, 007, Star Wars, Pixar, Shrek, Lord of the Rings, Superman, and Batman, just by working on them and gathering the guides when the work was done. 
Back then, you could find them online, usually when the company had backed them up on an FTP server with zero security. I found a gold mine of style guides once. It was a children's shoe company in Boston. When I connected to their FTP server, it was like Nicolas Cage lighting the torch to the National Treasure Room. (laughs) There were so many style guides in there, it took me over a month to download them all. They're harder to find these days, and I have to stop everything uh, to get one, whether it's on eBay or I'm trading someone for one. They live on two uh, four-terabyte drives, and all are backed up on 50-gigabyte Blu-ray discs. Very cool. My Holy Grail-style guide is the CBS Consumer Products Star Trek Universe-style guide or any of the Justice League uh, guides, 2017 or Snyder's release. There's always one around the corner. Uh, these two have just eluded me uh, thus far. So, yeah, I'm obsessed. Uh, my best to all love and sweaty hugs from the blazing hot Lone Star State, y'all. Blazing hot down there. We've had a we've had a, a strangely cold beginning, a wet cold yeah, beginning. Yeah, like I mentioned, summer. we had like a 14-degree day uh, a couple of days ago, which yeah. was like, hey, it's July. Knock I'm, it off. It was really raining this morning, like crazy bucketing down It was down uh, bananas. Yeah. <laughs> and then it got all nice and sunny. Oh, we did it. We never really had sun. Maybe, I, I don't know. I'm so often working inside right now that I don't. This was me. It was like, oh, floor. I wish I could mow the lawn, but hey, it's sunny now. Uh, <laughs> Dave, hurry up. Get over here, Sorkin. <laughs> Not off the lawn. So I'm mowing the lawn tomorrow is what I'm doing. Okay. Very slothful. It's one of my favorite Star Trek things was uh, Star Trek, uh, and I forget, it might have been Gold Key. And we've probably talked about this before, but it still is one of my favorite things, so I'll mention it again. Okay. Um, it's, uh, I think it was Gold Key, who uh, had the rights to the comics of Star Trek, but did not know uh, what Star Trek was. So they just took the, basically, they had the designs of the characters, but they even didn't know what uh, races the characters were. So I think they made Uhura white, and uh, I think like a couple of the other characters were like, a- they made them aliens, so they were like different colors. Huh. Uh, uh, and uh, but they just made it up and just went. I guess this is what the characters might be like. So Spock, of course, talks nothing like Spock, and yeah. no, it's, no one's in character. It's all just crazy. They just went like, I guess this is what's going to happen, and they just made up some alien stories with Star Trek that make no uh, no real sense. Huh. Sounds yeah. like uh, multiverse of madness. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they cross on red. Could you believe it? Hey, what shape of pizza in your world? Ball form. There you go. <sighs> yeah, I'm not seeing Thor. <laughs> not with that attitude, Mister. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It should, they should have had a thing where, like, they cross over into like a world, and you see Thor, but he's got a wrench instead of a hammer. Mm. And it's like, ah, oh, mm. I get it. Crazy he's madness. a plumber. Yeah. He says, "What's up with you?" Here's the interesting thing about the Scarlet Mario's favorite famous tagline. Yeah, here's the interesting thing about the Scarlet Witch. If you see her uh, first appearance in X-Men comics, mm-hmm. X-Men comics, I believe, number four, it's yeah. the Brotherhood of Evil uh, Mutants. It's the Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. And she's in green. <laughs> the color of villains. I guess. The color of, eh, who cares? Makes no sense. Nothing makes sense in X-Men comics. Look at the first X-Men comics. Just duck. Not a not a bit of sense. They don't care. They don't care. They're just getting it done. But yeah, Scarlet Witch, her first appearance, she's wearing uh, green on the cover. Hmm. Yeah. Inside, she's red. Oh, inside, she's red. Inside, she's red, yeah. So the cover was done before the name, maybe. I guess. But you know what? You think you could fix that. Or did it say introducing the Scarlet Witch on the outside? Scarlet Witch. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, like, uh, I like that kind of... Hey, you know what? Let's go with one of those. Let's what? go with one of those. 
What is uh, what is one of your favorite uh, continuity errors from oh. something that you love? Okay. Something, and I'm gonna go. That's one of my favorites. Is like the Scarlet Witch being uh, green. Okay. In her first appearance, something along those lines. It could be like television. Could be music. It was just like something that's a continuity or wrong t- uh, movie. Uh, something very very wrong. A James Bond movie where they get something completely wrong. Uh, but something that you love that uh, you know well enough to know like, hey, wait a minute. That's not makes a lick of sense. What do you, boy? I tell you, yeah, that almost the equivalent of what Marvel used to call a no prize question. Okay, okay, all right. Do you have a question? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I bought uh, I bought some sunglasses, prescription sunglasses, a couple of weeks ago. Okay, which is, I haven't you got it made in the shade. <laughs> exactly. I haven't I haven't got them yet, but I haven't even. I'm not really kicking myself because it's been no opportunity to really wear them mm. or purpose to wearing them right now so uh i was kind of wondering if anyone there has made a inopportune purchase like a, a mistimed ah. purchase maybe you bought a super vhs ah. player just before dvd players came out or uh you invested heavily into uh eight track tape or something like that let us know yeah if you have made a uh ill-timed purchase yeah invested a lot of money in uh, corona alcohol Right before the virus came out. <laughs> I still think people, people will always love Corona. Yeah, no, not so much. Really? Did the Corona actually sell, suffer from bad sales? Some people, well, I don't know how it suffered for sales, but I know some people were definitely joking about that. Just, oh, okay. Just made people sad. Sure. That's a good question, though. I want to, I want to uh, now find that out. <laughs> did Corona suffer? Yeah, did wise? Corona? Did Corona sales well, uh, suffer? While you look that up, let me tell the beautiful people out there, our friendly sneakers, how they can contact us. Hey, guess what? We have a website. It's called SneakyDragon.com. If you go there, you will find our episode, this very episode you're listening to at this moment, and you can leave a comment there. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can email us. Our email address is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Hey, we're on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. We have a Facebook page called Sneaky Dragon. True, we are true. also on Grinder. <laughs> I mean, Tumblr. We have a, a presence there, Sneaky Dragon. Yeah. If you'd like, you can go to our Patreon page and maybe donate, donate a little money to, to the show to help support what we do here. If you like it, if you don't like it, then don't bother. Then but give if us you more do, money and we'll change it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Tell us why you're not not giving us money. And Mm-mm. oh, what you're getting this wrong. If you like it, yeah, give us money. Yeah. If you don't like it, give us more money, and we'll change it to what you like. Okay, that's how it'll work. <laughs> All right, we'll compromise. Sure, we have no, we have no, we have no ethical stance here. And that's it, right? Yeah, damn right, that's it. That's all that's left. That's the thing. Oh, what we got to do now is not go to Thor. <laughs> there you go. All right, everyone, we're going to not go to the movies. So don't save us an aisle seat. We're not going to go to the movies. Not we're not going to go to the movies. movies. We're not going to go to the movies. I'm going to jump into a bun. would jump into the bun. Ah! Okay, all makes sense. Squeaky table. It's the grease.